I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I don't like blood. Welcome to another cozy cast. My name's Matt Gorley. Uh, I'm I'm Paul Rust. Welcome to the welcome to another cozy cast. That's right. This is with Gorley and Rust, the at length easy listening podcast where we talk about horror film classics. This season, it's a series of one offs, and today the fifth of the Paul Rust curated first half of this season. Yes, the accidental randomized. Uh, curation. We we uh, for people who are just dropping in right now, you and me. We put ten titles in a bowl, right? Five and five, metaphorically at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we did have a key party. Maybe that's what I'm confusing. <laughs> this it with. whole podcast is excuse for a key party. It's kind of weird because it's just your key and my key. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm either going to pull my key out or your key. It's, and just for the record, our keys had sex, not us. Oh, yeah. Have I been misunderstanding key parties this whole time? I no. thought the keys are having sex with other keys. Yeah, that's uh, that's my understanding. <laughs> Where does it fit in with the Florida Keys and Peter Coyote's character, Keys, <laughs> from E.T.? All I know is we took our two keys and put them on a revolving bed. At the chemosphere? Is that what that thing's called from Body Double? <laughs> yeah, the key. Oh, boy. We're <laughs> off to a good start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yes, this is a very uh, a, a cozy cast of uh, of all of many cozy casts, but today we're sitting outside mm. and there is a just a glorious gray cloud cover yeah. over your backyard here. That's a, I love it. It's beautiful. I know. I'm wearing just a full gray sweatsuit. Yeah, I'm wearing a nice cozy blue sweatshirt. I love this sweatsuit. Love oh, the thanks. colors. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and I have really been getting into, uh, during COVID, sweats, uh, sweatpants style like you. 
the total classic gray Hans and Franz. That's like, it. Took me forever to find these. You can't find them anywhere. Oh, because uh, people with sort of like a just a classic uh, blue denim jean is sometimes hard to find. I think it's also that everybody wants like the only way I can describe them are the kind of like really tight calved tapered leg bachelor dude wearing lounge joggers. <laughs> Everything's like of its time. I wanted just those classic. You know, like Warren Beatty wears in Heaven Can Can Wait and Dustin Hoffman in Marathon Man, you know. This is as close as I could get. (laughs) It's so funny because those movies, I bet those sweatsuits, they they come off so effortlessly. But they were tailored and designed uh, by Edith Head. (laughs) She came out of retirement or (laughs) sweatsuits. I remember when that craze happened, like the jogging craze. And if you're a new listener to this show, we've already gone off onto what we do, and that's tangents. Welcome, come along. But yeah, sweatsuits <laughs> come, come along. Sweatsuits were huge out of nowhere, and jogging was huge. And so everybody on my street, my family, we all had sweatsuits, and I had these heather gray ones. And then there was this frozen yogurt store that opened up in La Habra which was also a new craze called the Joggert Stop, which I think was a pun on yogurt. Oh my gosh, but they also wanted to like have it dovetail with the jogging craze. The yes, jogging. and so they had giant black and white photos like the size of those ones in the Haunted Mansion that extend down of just people <laughs> jogging. But now that I'm thinking, was it was it a soft J, like yogger to stop? But it's La Habra. And oh like, my God. No one would have. <laughs> so many. Yeah, I don't know. Silent J's in there. They should have called it a la yogurt. A la yogurt. <laughs> And they had like a, it was also, Star Wars was huge. So they had like a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich called like the R2-D2. So <laughs> this Why? thing was just knocking it out of the park for me. The yogurt stop. Like, Excuse me, the yogurt stop. The R is peanut butter and the D is jelly? R P B G. Yeah, I don't know. They weren't, they weren't pun masters. But like us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're willing to forgive that, they had it coming and going. <laughs> um, God, full haunted mansion length. Yeah. Full length photographs of joggers, like black and white, yeah, sort of like tasteful, white. cool. Like It was just like someone running at the camera, but imagine that the the photo, it's almost like your iPhone aspect ratio vertical. Mm-hmm. And the, about above every table was one of those large portraits. So this is, okay, so like Heaven Can Wait and, and Marathon Man is sort of like mid to late 77, 78. Yeah, Star Wars time too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, something was going on. What was happening there that like, and I do think like any of our, Diversions where we talk about anything, uh-huh. uh, 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 not diversions, just uh, veers off the road. It always comes back to the main road. I do think this applies to gremlins. Okay, whatever is a happening culturally mm-hmm. in the late seventies, where a whole town, a whole neighborhood could just start wearing sweatsuits, yeah, out of nowhere, and now there's a yogurt shop on every corner. There's a Burger King now in your main street. What's going oh, on? I know that. Yeah, that's an interesting little thing they pop into this film. Yeah, and out of nowhere, just like this kind of like thing that's like based on mass consumption, just like reaching out into like the suburbs. 
I love that it's like uh, there's even I think a yogurt gremlin joke in gremlins too. Oh really? I'm looking forward to continuing that journey. It's been years since I've seen part <laughs> two. Cuckoo journey. Yeah. No, no, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, I think about it like with a that Albert Brooks movie, Modern Romance. He goes to like. He wants to get into jogging, and then he's wearing like a, a sweatsuit that looks like really cool and like more chic than like uh-huh. you're really gonna do some jog. I mean, it's part of. The, was it like a tracksuit, like a velour? Yes, yeah. yeah. And he goes and he buys uh, Nikes from his brother uh, Super Dave. He doesn't play right. his brother in the movie, <laughs> but he's played the Nike salesman. Were Nikes at all a part of this picture? Huge, huge. And I remember just coveting them. And both you and I are wearing like kind of old Ooh. style Nike trainers. And I wanted these ones when I was a kid that were canvas. And I remember my mom. But when I do it, it's different. No, yeah, I know. <laughs> no, it's so funny. Like, I was like, wow, we drank that Nike Kool-Aid hard, hard, hard for the rest of our lives. And to the to the point where I'm like, mm-hmm. it's cool because it is like back in the I 80s. Know, that's how I feel too. In fact, <laughs> I, I try to go running each morning and I have new Nike running shoes, but I won't wear them the rest of the day because they... It's so hard to find sneakers that don't look like the mouth of a baleen whale or like a stormtrooper head. They're so <laughs> needlessly over-designed. They're just crazy. So I just I just like an old pair of sneakers, you know? And when I was a kid, I wanted to buy them, and my mom was so convinced I would rip them on a sprinkler because they were they were expensive, yeah. especially for, like, a middle-class family. And and Gosh, you're getting at something with, like... <laughs> new Nikes that's like really kind of difficult to like work through when you're a kid and you get these shoes that are like <laughs> the the purpose is to go out and run around and, and eventually get them scuffed up but there is like a melancholy I felt when I'd see like my first like scuff on like a new I know sneakers it was like it was the same feeling as like when you get out of the dentist and it's and you have clean teeth it's the first time you like eat ice cream or oh, something yeah. like, uh, what okay. a trade off <laughs> What a what, risk versus reward. Or for me, when I would get out of confession and I would walk out of the church, I'd be like walking down the sidewalk. I'd be like, I'm not going to do anything wrong from the church to the walk to the car. <laughs> you don't go like, I've got a sin credit. <laughs> like a Bitcoin. Yeah. Sin coin. <laughs> oh. oh. Let's hey, maybe we should, yeah. yeah. Edit that out, Gorley, so we can go and uh, get the domain for yeah. Sidcoin. I was recently looking for new old Nikes, and the, the Nike's Ooh. about one of the only ones you can kind of get the older style, because all the new ones, like, you know what they also remind me of? <laughs> Gary Oldman's armor in Dracula, that red, <laughs> red stuff. Like, that's what Nike's that kind of look thick, like thick, redded, ribbed, yeah. plasticky, rubbery, yes. Yeah, it's all so crazy. Electric cars are that way, too. It's hard to find an electric car. Now it's getting better. Like, every manufacturer at first wanted to know, you're driving an electric car. They wanted everyone to know, so we made it look like a roller skate or something crazy. Just give me the <laughs> Oh, my gosh. If they did make an electric car like a look like an old 70s kind of, like, uh, <laughs> metal roller skate. with, Or maybe I'm even thinking 1930s. Like an old-timey roller skate. Like the skate. kind you clip on the bottom with the bands? <laughs> This is our Andy Rooney moment. Andy Rooney minute. Listen. Rooney minute. Rooney minute. We, uh, I saw a video clip on YouTube last few days that was like, the one thing Andy Rooney says he regrets saying. I saw that as a YouTube clip. It was a minute bait. long, and I'm like, 
going to watch this and I know, <laughs> I know what he's going to say. He has regrets about his harsh words about uh, Kurt Cobain and his followers that's after the suicide. I was like, I was convinced that's what it's going to be. Wait, what did he say about him? He was like, uh, he was, I don't want to say making fun or razzing, but like the people who were at the like memorial okay. crying, he was like, this isn't a person you should be crying over, oh, which I is see. just like a wow. really... Needless you know, thing to say. Yeah, let more people yeah. mourn how they want to mourn. Yeah. It's like kind of a weird yeah. thing. To, uh, uh, but you know what? In the long run, he was right. <laughs> what was it? What did no, he regret? Uh, uh, so uh, <laughs> what it was was, so I watched the video, and of course it wasn't that. Like He's not going to apologize <laughs> for something he said in the late 90s, mid-90s of Kurt Cobain. Uh, it was... Uh, well, I don't think Andy Rooney deserves any minute of our runtime, so I'll make this quick. It's too late. <laughs> but he said, uh, um, he was talking about Miss America and how it was a kind of a cheap and phony, uh, uh, objectifying thing to do to women, to bring them out and judge them about their looks uh, and how they look in a bikini. And I'm like, okay, what's he got, you know? And... And then he was like, it's so funny. Cause this Wait, is like, he regretted saying that or that's what he was saying? So that's what I thought. I was like, well, why would he regret saying that? That actually seems like history is showing you you're right. You were right on the money. And then he was like, and I wanted to demonstrate that it's not always about their looks. Oh. So I brought out pictures of old Miss Americas. Some of them weren't all lookers. Oh, no. Andy Rooney, quit while you're ahead. So, yeah, then you're like, okay, this is the problem. It wasn't a problem for him until he got a call from Phil Silvers, who was like, one of them was my wife. Wait, so Sergeant Bilko Phil Silvers? Yes. Okay. And then I looked it up, and he was married to a Missing America. Then I looked her up. She is a looker, dude. Andy Rooney trolled Toad Man. Like, okay, I'm glad you brought this up because it's time that this podcast took a stance on the Andy Rooney. Yeah, we're, and we may have to do a regretful YouTube video years from now, but we're not in the Andy Rooney camp. We're in the Kurt Cobain and Phil Silver's camp, and there's a lot of crossover in that diagram. Oh yeah, the amount of people who have on their shelf right next to all their Nirvana records is the complete <laughs> set of uh, Sergeant Bilko TV series DVDs. And the episode where he's on Gilligan's Island where he played a Harold Hecuba and they all did a Hamlet play. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh my God, are you a mad, 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 mad world head? I, I, I guess I am. Okay. I guess I might be. It's been a while, but I mean, I, I've done my time. If we ever have to do our time and do a commentary or like if we have to serve the gods, we could watch the Criterion oh. four hour uh, or something to cut of. But I, I love it. Yeah. And it's saying a lot. The comic stars galore in that movie. No kidding. Jonathan Winters is very funny in it, but I think Phil Silvers might be the funniest oh, thing I'm in the movie. I'm trying to remember. He's like, uh, he's. Uh, like when he's telling those gas attendants to like move fast. To Arnold get his he's like, what are you doing? Yeah, come Stang? on, come on. And, yeah. then, and then when he's going down the river, because uh, the boy, the country that's boy, right. like tricked him into thinking he, he could drive across the river. And then oh, he's going right. down, he's like, you stupid kid. <laughs> he was amazing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Andy Rooney, it's so funny that it was like, he didn't, 
have any sort of like regret about the misogyny of it all. No. It was just like he did it. He really felt for how he hurt that man's feelings about <laughs> how his wife object was not as beautiful as he thinks. It was so weird. That checks. And was even Phil Silvers around when he made this video? Uh, this, no. It was like, is he still alive? I mean, it was just a few years ago, Andy Rooney kind of doing I think he a, recently died. Yeah, oh, he was doing a I look think. back kind of on his career, I guess, and wow. talking about things he regretted. Glad he was able to like have that catharsis. And and all of us here today. Same, so, yeah. yeah. And I said, I don't want to waste a minute on Andy. I think we got that down to like probably 45 seconds, I, right? Yeah. All I of think that Andy Rooney We material. got it down to about 80% of what this episode has been so far, so we're good. <laughs> So this is Gremlins. This is with Gorley and Rust. And you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. And it's in the show notes. If you look, as well as our merchandise page, we're doing all kinds of crazy crap over there. I mean, <laughs> if you're big on this Andy Rooney content, wait till you hear what we're doing with Andy Rooney over on Patreon. I, I won't even say it's behind the paywall. But we it's have t-shirts, be... <laughs> posters, all anti-Rooney. Anti we're anti-Rooney. 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 Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well... Rudy uh, is close enough for me to bring one of my favorite songs right now uh, that I've done on the podcast before. Sorry. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you. Tomorrow's your Rooney, but also Kate. <laughs> never, never, ever worry about bringing that back. Okay. Same with This Means Pepper. And there was another one, too. What is it? Oh, oh, the uh, the which know, side but... are you on, Freddie or Jason? <laughs> like, I don't care how those are certain stories. I know we repeat stories a lot, but certain stories bear repeating and are welcome. Kind of like you know, it's like it's Thanksgiving. Tell that joke again, Dad. You know <laughs> that that Freddie versus Jason story should kind of be once a season. We oh, should hear that. Well, I you know what I would put in that pantheon, uh, Mister Gorley, is your recent. Uh, Mom, I can't. I got to give back this journey tape. It's filled with swears and demon, demon druggery. That is so oh, beautiful. I, I uh, don't believe I've ever owned that record since. I stick to my morals. <laughs> Did I ever tell you, speaking of uh, childhood memes, uh, when I was uh, 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 probably five, Yeah. one of my earliest memories, sitting at the dinner table with uh, my sisters and my mom. My dad comes home, and my mom and dad go, okay, kids, get in the car. Uh, and we're, we're like, where are we going? And they're like, we're not going to tell you. We're going to uh, 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 we're gonna take you to the middle uh, of nowhere and throw you in a ditch, is like what they <laughs> joked. And, then, so we, and I'm looking at my sisters, and they seem to know that this is a joke, so I'm taking their kind of like uh -huh. what the vibe is. But we get in the car, and we start driving, and it's late at night. Like uh, The sun is down, and the moon is up. It's crazy to be dr driving at this late hour with your family. And uh, my sisters and I are going like, no, seriously, where are we going? And I'm seeing like country roads now. It's not like oh. uh, buildings or civilization. And I'm thinking maybe my parents are taking us in the middle of nowhere and leaving us in a ditch for dead. And we pull into what was a drive-in. They open up the back doors of our van. They pull out paper, uh, uh, brown paper bags of popcorn oh. and surprise us with a drive-in screening of Gremlins. 
Paul, that's amazing. That is an amazing journey. Oh my God. So is that, that was your first experience with gremlins. I'm assuming. <laughs> Unless you wrote it. Yeah. It. I guess when I was on set, we were working on those script issues. <laughs> if I was like, more goop. <laughs> Can one of them take a pee? <laughs> I'm surprised none of those like rascally gremlins. They you have them pulling out snot and blowing their nose into curtains. Yeah, I, I'm shocked there wasn't a gremlin pee. It in wouldn't a have been going ashtray. too far for this movie. That's for sure. No, no, no. They're rascals. Yeah, but yeah, I think that was my first memory, and uh, it lines up. It would have been a like drive-in sort of second run uh, screening of the movie, but. Um, I don't remember much of the movie from that, like us uh, particulars, but we quickly like rented it thereafter. Okay. And Gremlins has always been a part of my heart, I as you'll it. find out in this pod. Now, I'm call me crazy because I'm never one to balk at this kind of thing, but you're five years old. This movie's pretty crazy and pretty dark for a five year old because uh, yeah. Amanda and I were talking about that last night because I always see it as a kid's movie, and then every time I watch it, I'm like, this is not a kid's movie. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's maybe like uh, the big, uh, one of the big tricks of this movie is like the kind of like it sort of softens you up. And so then when the like scary stuff starts to happen, uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it was partly created, the P- PG-13. Yeah. Uh, with Temple of Doom. Yeah. That summer, a bunch of parents were outraged that they were like... Uh, which is surprising. Then, well, go ahead. Well, then, those movies in the making, I think, created the PG-13, but I believe Red Dawn was the first to get it, yes. which we've talked about. But it does make me think that like the Red Dawn producers were probably like, thanks a lot, assholes. Without you, I bet we would have probably still gotten a PG. Right. You're so right. A PG Red Dawn is uh, an astonishing <laughs> thing to think. So, so, what is that? Okay, so that summer is when they go... Also, Gremlins came out the same day as Ghostbusters. Isn't that Jesus. bananas? It also... B- both Temple of Doom and this movie have a young Asian boy in a New York Yankees ball cap. Yes. And uh, I, I... I didn't think about that until, like, in COVID. I was talking about it. I watched... I was watching Temple of Doom. Were we talking about it? Well, we talked about Temple of Doom, but did that come up? No. I don't think so. I watched Temple of Doom as well. But when I was a kid, I I didn't know baseball very well. Me either. So I, still I thought that was like a, a, a character. Uh, um, oh, like a Chinese character? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Like on a ball cap. And yeah. I uh, don't know if... <laughs> this is where I am dumb and I am wrong, where I go like, I bet they were trying to do that. <laughs> But it is like, what is that? Like that combination of like um, having a, an Asian American character wearing a New York Yankees cap twice in... I, I don't mean, know, it's, it's just coincidence, I guess. Because first of all... In where, the same year, within three weeks of yeah. coming out. Where does this other? movie take place? Is it deliberately um, kind of vague, Gremlins? Um, oh, Gremlins takes place in Kingston Falls. I, yeah, I got that far. <laughs> no, but I don't, yeah, so, I don't know what the state, and when he says Chinatown, they're not particular about in what it city. It must or, be New York. Yeah. Maybe our only clue is this New York Yankees cap. And then in Temple of Doom, right. is it just like, because the Yankees are the maybe the only known big 
team of that time. Yeah. Again, I don't know baseball, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I wish we knew baseball. We should try to get like Don Mattingly Let's on get the Don podcast. Mattingly on here. That's weird because I mean, you, you, listeners know that Will Smith sits in on every one of these recordings and he watches quietly here live. But today we also have Derek Jeter. <laughs> That's how long it took me to think of a baseball person. Because <laughs> the first ones that came into my mind were Tommy Lasorda, and I know he just died. <laughs> no, same. Anytime I need to like have an athlete specific. Yeah. I mean, I said Don Mattingly. It's so funny. Like I, that's what I most feel like the out of touch. Like it'd be as if like somebody needed to name a musician, and I was like Casey and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> but let me tell you, I went Tommy Lasorda to Robert Redford to Kevin Costner to Charlie Sheen because I could only think movie baseball. <laughs> then I got to. Whoever I got to, Derek Jeter. Who's your favorite of the movie baseballs, Redford, Costner, or Sheen? I got mine, and it's problematic. Really? I love Sheen the most. I'm just oh. saying because he's a problematic guy. Yeah. That, but I, I like his... movie... I have never seen The Natural, and I've only seen Field of Dreams for the first time like five years ago, but I remember liking Major League. Yeah, I love Major League. It's yeah. a really funny movie, and uh, uh, uh never seen The Natural either. Hmm. I don't have any... Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a while before we get to that on this podcast. Well, I'm realizing the reason I like Major League isn't necessarily the baseball. It's yeah. just like the funny goofiness yeah. of it. So any, if the natural doesn't offer anything in addition to... Yeah. What, a love story or something? I think it's a story about hating a scoreboard. <laughs> it takes, takes out his rage at the yeah. end. And then what was the... Yeah, I've seen... Kevin uh, uh, Field of Dreams uh, a few times. Okay. Being a Iowan, it's like oh, a right. I'm very proud of that movie. Yeah. My dad took us. This is the podcast where I tell you places my dad and mom took me. But we went to the <laughs> Dyersville, Iowa. We went to like the baseball field in the. That's pretty cool. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. I mean, just any parent that's taking you to movie locations is yeah. amazing because, like, you take your daughter sometimes yeah, you know? yes. yeah. I, I take myself <laughs> i watched to live and die in la the other day and they straight up name check an intersection in pasadena and go it's at it's at los robles and um uh, walnut and it's a church and a and a law office and i was out man and i were out trying to pick up some food and i was like you might take a quick detour I just want to see if they're keeping things true. And, and sure enough, that's it, where it was. It's John Frankenheimer. So I think that movie seems so L.A. geographically correct. Everywhere they like do a chase kind of naturally goes from place to place. It's not like most movies where they're on the west side and they're wow. in downtown and stuff. Yeah. yeah uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, just so you don't hear it. from uh, I, William Friedkin. Oh, sorry. You're right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just thank you. Say. No, I'm glad of that. And I... Uh, <laughs> I always do get their names mixed up because Franken and Friedkin. I get John Frankenheimer always mixed up with, I can't even think of the other person because Al I think Franken? they're synonymous. Al Franken, Senator Al. <laughs> Disgraced Senator Al Franken. No, uh, uh, the um, he might be the same guy who did like Pacific Heights and stuff. Uh, oh. But there's a and Black Sunday. Are, are these the same? Sorry, apologies to all the... John Porfahama. <laughs> well, this is an there. interactive podcast where you get to look look it up yourself and have the satisfaction of yeah, on your own. That's right. Oh, but yeah, to live and die in LA is like uh, I haven't watched it in a while. But all those um, uh, 
Is it sort of like uh, South? Like yeah, South Bay, San South Pedro, Bay. a lot yeah. of San Pedro stuff, and Willem Dafoe, young Willem, baby-faced Willem Dafoe in a kimono, making funny money for like five minutes. You just see the procedure of it. It's, a, it's such a wonderful <laughs> sequence. Baby-faced Dafoe makes funny money to the tunes of not just a Wang Chung song, but a Wang Chung score. They did the whole score That's to the right. movie. Yeah, uh, my favorite moments in those movies outside of the freeway chase where he goes the wrong way on yeah, the freeway which is radical yeah but the uh, 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 in all the sense of the word radical <laughs> but uh, that fake making the funny money sequences are yeah. really good and I'd never seen the movie it was it was an enjoyable watch oh cool yeah I, I took a long time for me to see it I remember thinking like oh I'm glad I waited to see this the uh, um and who's the the, the CSI detect manhunt? William Patrick. Oh yeah, and did you watch uh, Jason? Patrick? No, the William the Patrick. William Peterson. William Peterson. I get Jason Patrick and William Peterson mixed up, and Friedkin and Frankenheimer. See Jingleheimer Smith. Why doesn't John Frankenheimer and William Friedkin direct a movie together finally? Or why didn't they ever? Or why don't they become the same person <laughs> out of for ease of use? If they <laughs> stitched their clothes together like Siamese twin style and like had two heads <laughs> like walked together on the set. And then did the Farrelly Brothers movie Stuck on You? Um, then we'd be talking. Maybe one of the most abysmal movie going experiences really? I've had. Never seen it. Uh, we went with it. It was like, I think any bad movie experience that's shared with your family on a holiday is particularly like painful. Mm. Maybe not, because then you can like rest on the holiday, kind of like yeah. lifts you up. Whereas if you just went like on August 10th together, it was like a <laughs> bummer of a movie, I can see that. But yeah, I remember us just being like, and they say ugly words in that movie. Oh, really? It's not even just like, oh, I didn't enjoy their like romp. Yeah. It's like a particularly unpleasant uh, comedy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like... I was telling Paul earlier about the general's daughter, which for some reason we felt the need to watch Amanda and I, and it's a nineties intrigue thriller with John Travolta and Madeline Stowe. But it goes from that kind of fun pulpy nineties thing into some dark territory that it is not at the level of handling. And so you could imagine James Woods being in the cast feels appropriate. <laughs> Those were all uh, script changes that James Woods demanded. <laughs> or they, they wrote it and they were like, they got revisions and went, well, we've got to recast this with James Woods to make this deplorable. Completely. Now, I know James Woods is particularly litigious when it comes to online talkery about him. Is he really? Uh, oh, he tried to you? do what to do, and it was thrown out because it's not a real lawsuit, I don't think. Like, it couldn't hold up. Somebody on Twitter just was like, James Woods does cocaine or something, does lots of cocaine. Oh, that's right. And he tried to sue him for it. Mr. Uh, First Amendment, people are trying to uh, uh, stop my free speech. Woods uh, it's is always these suing guys. a guy to be like, you can't say I do cocaine. Oh, <laughs> that's like how Robert Davi came after me for a blog post that would have not hit major search engines at the time. And he still found it. Oh, that's right. Uh because you just were writing about him as a, a spectator, a viewer of a... No, I had had an experience yes. with him where he yes. was, quote, and I'm quoting my blog, so it doesn't mean I feel no. this way. And you have to, <laughs> and you have to like, some people might not know this, and this is very, uh, I was going to say fascinating, but 
fascinating. <laughs> yeah, he. I just. Uh, I well, I'll just say it because he and I have hashed this out at dinner. I called him a dick, and he called me out on it. And we went to dinner, and I was shaking in my boots. And I said, "Hey," he goes, "So why am I a dick?" You know, basically. And I said, "Oh, because." Uh, I met you before and you were a dick. <laughs> he was okay. And we'll break. We broke bread and we had this long talk and he's real, real right wing. And But we had a very respectful, fun, scary evening together. He's a, he's a, he's a real character, that guy. And uh, So what was his... <laughs> I mean, that's... Uh, uh, when I first heard that, I heard it on a podcast that I wasn't... A- a part of yeah. I just heard that story and my jaw like just kept dropping each time where I was like it wound up with you having dinner with him I didn't I don't remember the detail about like you just being kind of like you guys having a laugh and that broke the ice and being able to like it was okay that's nice yeah I mean he showed up at this place with one of his CDs in hand as a gift and it was like everything was if you if you're aware of Robert Davi you know he was a Bond villain he was in The Goonies he's in Die Hard he's larger than life and so it broke the ice and he didn't come to fight but he definitely came to confront I think he has a little of that James Woods kind of like wants to tamp out every fire kind of thing and I learned a big lesson too which is you know why hurt anybody and you know, yeah. yeah, the internet is real life. Yeah, I mean, this was in what 2012. <laughs> I too. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I. Uh, uh, he must be. Um, uh, like particularly just like vulnerable. Like I think that's often the case with the ones that are the most uh, outspoken. You know, like the idea. Like I could be wrong. Maybe if there's deep down times where I do feel this way. But I don't connect, and I'm not saying in a judgmental way. There's people who say, ooh, it really bothers me to know that there's somebody out in the world who doesn't like me. Yeah, like, yeah. had a bad experience with me and doesn't like me. And now I want to correct that situation. Like, mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's blindness on my end. But... One, I'm not like necessarily thinking there's, I'm sure there is people who don't like me, but it doesn't like well, I think nag these, at me. The, and so I'm just like, look, if somebody I know yeah. and I like am close to, if I heard they didn't like me or had an issue, then it's like all systems, what's going on? I like, <laughs> holy shit, alarms. And I'd want to do everything I could to rectify that. But like... Stranger. Anyway, the point I was gonna say, like Robert Davi, Davi seems like such a tough guy, but the fact that that like needles him say something, and I think I'm with you. I'm the same way, but I think James Woods and Robert Davi are on another plane of having people out there that don't care for some of the things they've said. So they've fostered that in many ways. So. What if when he had dinner with you, he was just leaving? A pre-dinner with another, like, hashing things out with somebody. <laughs> and then at the end of your dinner, he had to leave for, like, a coffee, like he a just, late night nightcap. He just got up and went to the exact adjoin- adjoining table or the adjacent table. Hi, He's what's like, your name? Who's the one who uh, worked on goodies with me? Jeez, I'm an asshole. Oh, that was me. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, right, you. But please, please, and I'm not even being joking. Please, listener, any listener, don't 
right about this comment right because just the name robert davi it will show up to him in a google alert and i'm gonna have to go to dinner again and i thought i was gonna get salazzoed so just don't do it <laughs> it's a uh, it's actually worse it's a uh, um uh it's sent to him as a summons and somebody comes to him at his door <laughs> rings a doorbell and they're like he reads it and he's like they said what it was in a Beverly Hills Italian restaurant, and I thought, like, everybody knew him there. You're going to, like, walk in, oh, like, Salato or, or Pesci style. Yeah. Goodfellas, like, you yeah. thought you were, I, I, I guess mean, it's the reverse. But still, it was, he was late, and I was just sitting there, and he said, let's get dinner, and I, I suggested Little Dom's. He's like, what's that? You know, and and so he goes, let's go to this He's place. Like, what's and, that? Where you, you and Paul first met each other, each other? On the street there? No, I want us to have our own thing. <laughs> you and Paul have your own thing with little Dobbs wrapped up. <laughs> anyway, what do you want to rent uh, rate, rate Gremlins out of 13? Okay, uh, yeah, then let's do our favorite kill. Okay. And then just, uh, wait a minute. Record scratch. If you're joining us for the first time, we do tangent a lot, but this is good for even us, this one, right? Yeah, and I'm a little like nervous because this is the one I'm going to have to most be careful just about not getting into the weeds about everything fucking gremlins. Oh, you get into the weeds. No, all you need. truly, truly, truly. All you so need. I, uh, the fact that like we're already uh, <laughs> Ed Gorley, yeah, you know, uh, we're so close. Yeah, a half hour before this podcast was just to spend the two of us gabbing. I know, and. Just to make, just to string this out a little bit longer, I want to take a second to wish you a happy God. birthday, my friend. Forty years on this planet, forty years better this planet has been Aww. since that day in uh, whenever that was at Little Dom's. Even though we didn't hang out for years until after that, you've made my life better Aww. and my podcasting better. Gorley, I wish it was your birthday today so I could say samesies to you. Uh, uh, truly, I'm so ungrateful that you're uh, on this planet and in my life. Oh, thank yeah. you. So. Uh, no, it was a it was a great birthday. Uh, it, 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 at the end of the day, I was like. This might have been the finest birthday I've ever had. It was oh, a really that's great birthday. Nice. Especially being in COVID and for a 40th birthday. Sometimes those little sleeper birthdays can, you know, if, like if you were expecting big things, that's taken out of the equation. Ooh. Then it's, you got nowhere to go but up, you know? It could very well be like a, uh, yeah, exactly. Like a sleeper movie style reaction I had where it was a, a, a thing of lowered expectations. And then on August 10th, I go into a movie with my family. We all love it. <laughs> <laughs> just to bring it back to the August 10th uh, movies and see date beat a bummer. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, no, it was great. Thank you. Thank you so You're much. You're welcome. Uh, that's very kind. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, and I got vaccinated too. So we're Congrats. both of us in yeah. a post, post-vax world. Um, and if anybody's listening to this later, years, years later, um, just so you know, we got the vaccine Three years after it was announced, we we took a long time before we decided to. We're get it. late bloomers. We didn't want to be joiners, and then by the time three years later came around, it was kind of like retro cool. Yeah, well, it was when they let everybody um, compete in the Olympics, but you had to be vaccinated. That's right. So we were like, finally, we'll do that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I still use the excuse of, I just got my second shot, so I can't today. And I've been using that for the past three years. It's really helped. Yeah. Yeah, with a lot of engagements I didn't want to go to. I know. Literal engagements when people would invite me to their proposal parties. 
Where you go and you sit in the bushes and watch your friend propose to another friend. And whisper Cyrano de Bergeracisms at them. Say, you've made me the happiest man. That's it? That's all you got? What? Shitty de Bergeac. Shitty de Bergeac. (laughs) Say, will you marry me? What? No poetry? What's that? Say her lips look like <laughs> lipstick. You s- no. Do a squeezing motion. And make your eyes real big. <laughs> Can you say awuga? <laughs> oh. Get one of those little boxes with the white, uh, like, foam in it and stick your finger through with blood on the end and then wiggle it and then have her open that. She'll expect a ring, but it's going to be a severed finger. Can she hear me? I'm not even whispering. I... Yeah, what was the sound set up there with old uh, Cyrano? Cyrano. Yeah. Yeah, uh, It was a bush. He was just hiding in a bush. And his whispers. He was close enough so that the guy heard the whispers. Yeah. But far away enough that the she seems to always be in a balcony. I don't I think know. I've ever seen any productions where she's like, yeah, on top of the roof. A real balcony fixation in those days. Yeah, in all plays. Yeah, I bet like you couldn't get like your theater licensed as a theater company unless you had like a <laughs> a balcony at the ready. Yeah, in every like a, a storeroom. Yeah, balcony was just part of the the set. Oh, yeah. The balcony was a part of every set. It was up yeah. to the playwright to come up with a story to to need a, a, a balcony. <laughs> William Shakespeare, right in Romeo and Juliet, they're like, you know, uh, <laughs> there's going to be a balcony. We, they already built a balcony. He's like, what the? Because the Globe Theater did, I think, have a balcony. Oh, so he was just... uh, He's just doing what he thought he was supposed to do. It's not even his idea. He's like, well, because right, it's not. It's Pyramus and Thisbe, for Christ's sake. It's what? Romeo and Juliet. But would you say right? Thisbe? It's uh, based on Pyramus and Thisbe, but I think they had a wall. Oh. I'm forgetting, but... So even uh, Shakespeare's old Dustin doing the reboot. Paul, let me tell you, all but two of Shakespeare's plays are... Copies. What are the two that aren't copies? The Tempest, which some say is very autobiographical. Because huh. he's like the, the magician who's retiring. And Merry Wives of Windsor, which is a comedy because Queen Elizabeth the first comes up to him, comes up to him and says to him, she says, write me a comedy where Falstaff falls in love. Oh my gosh. I love that. She's like, Write me a movie with Freddy versus Jason. I say, could you do? I would love to see Jason goes to space, either space or Manhattan. You choose. You choose. Don't tell me until premiere. But not now, Manhattan. Late 1980s, Manhattan. Could Freddy have a dream child? (laughs) <laughs> when he gives birth to little demons in his chest, can it look like also the meatball pizza? 
Could you do me a Freddy, but it's the little boy from the Bad News Bears. Could you? <laughs> oh my God, why am I blanking on that actor's name? Jackie Early. Yes, I'm Jackie a huge Early, fan. Earl Haley's agent calls him up. He's like, Jackie, we got good news. You're going to play Freddy Krueger in the reboot. Why? Somebody put in a good word for you. Was it Liz? Lizzie won. God, man, she won't leave me alone. Oh Wait, God. Queen Elizabeth won. Is that like a National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1 kind of joke? <laughs> you know, I do love the whole Haddonfield storyline, but I would love to see it filtered through the lens of one Robert Zombie. Maybe two. I'd like to see his original work. Where would he take it from there? You know, we do Friday night, uh, freak nights at the palace. We freak do just night. yes, we just watch old horror movies. Oh, that sounds kind of cozy. Yeah, staying in, watching a. You know what? I actually think is a pretty cozy horror movie. We haven't really mentioned it. Queen Lizzie one. What is uh? I think Gremlins is a very cozy yeah. horror movie. First of all, I agree. Second of all, thank you. You you did a good job bringing us back. Well, I did ask Queen Lizzie One's uh, opinion on it, so I wish she would have stayed with us through the entire podcast. I'm more of a ghoulies girl. <laughs> Isn't that true? Aren't we just kind of, you're either a gremlins guy, gremlins girl, or you're a ghoulies guy. Yeah. Ghoulies girl. Is there a, isn't there a third? Oh, Critters. Critters, yeah. Yeah, and then there was also Munchies. What? <laughs> yeah. What? What are Munchies? The Munchies was Roger Corman's uh, ripoff. Oh, of, of, my Gremlins. God. I didn't know about Munchies. Yeah, oh and the, I saw Munchies when I first moved out to L.A. It was like a movie we rented, and there's a part where one of the Munchies runs away. As, as he runs away, he goes, where are the Munchies? <laughs> <laughs> And then there was a sequel to Munchies in a reverse alien to aliens move. Munchies 2 part chew. <laughs> no. Although you mentioned it. We could uh do some wizardry to make that true. It was just called Munchie. Whoa. And it was about a single munchie. Whoa. And it's more of like an ET like Fable about a boy who's visited by a munchie who Whoa. flies in on a pizza, according to the poster. <laughs> That's as far as this I've seen munchie. I've seen munchies and I've seen munchie. Where are the munchies? And he doesn't fly on a pizza like the poster promises. Okay. He makes a pizza fly from a pizza place to the house because the kid wants a pizza and it flies like through the air, but he never rides on it. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Uh, wait, what was the uh, thing I, I used as the dovetail? Alien? Aliens? No, oh, no. To, for, for Gremlins, it was... Uh, I managed to get us back off. No, I did, because I oh. was like, keep doing Queen Elizabeth 1. You're a, you're a Gremlins person, or a... <laughs> well, no, Queen Elizabeth was... Okay, she was shoot. a ghouly girl. Oh, cozy. 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 Well, yeah, what... See how made, we bring it back? You're awesome. No, no, we did this oh, together. Oh, oh, oh. Well, what do you think about what, what was cozy about Gremlins? Well, first of all, it's cozy weather, storm, you know, like snow, yeah. jackets, jackets, parkas, all that. Um, just the nostalgia of it, the the way it's mm. shot, I mm -hmm. think. What about you? 
Oh yeah, I think the uh, everything you just said, um, and then that when they're in that bar, things yeah. get very cozy very quickly. Yeah. Like there's brown sort of like jackets and sweaters, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is because of the cold weather. Like you said, they're wearing all that because it's cold out. Yeah, and then but like the warm kind of like Christmas lighting inside oh, the bar yeah. with like yeah. a pool table. Yeah, and it's more of like a fun kind of a. Regal Beagle type bar oh, than like a kind of gross bar. It seems more like a little more homespun. Oh, okay. I swear this is the last tangent, but no. Speaking of Regal Beagle, someone, and I'm sorry, Promise I have the it opposite. in front of me, but someone wants to know what the Jason Michael Freddy is to the Three's Company Jack, Janet, Chrissy. Oh, well, we had to discuss this. Okay. This is very important. All right. Oh, my gosh. I think, well, Jack feels like it's got to be Freddy, right? Yeah, because I was going to say who's the one who's not like the other, and, and Michael and Jason share. <laughs> yeah. And also, yeah, Freddie's going to have to do a lot of talking to oh, get out of... cracking, yeah. So... I'll let you pick the next two, but I think I have a... And then idea. I think we have to ask who the Ropers and the Furley is, because there's no... That trio doesn't work unless there's some conflict going on. Uh, yeah, so, that's so, true, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the two girls. Okay, now we're doing Chrissy, right? Not yeah, Chrissy a, and Janet, not okay. Terry or or Christy. Who is the middle one? Yeah, Priscilla Barnes uh, is my favorite of the, the yeah, three. Yeah, me too. Not Jenny Lee Summers, who played the middle one. She That's also was a grand marshal of the Whittier Christmas Parade. Sometime <laughs> that, so. Did you get to see her? No, the- but I've seen the poster, <laughs> and she's flying on a pizza. My, uh, my, uh, truly last tangent, my dad <laughs> in his, uh, business that he owned, the small business that he owned, uh, Russ Western Shed, in the bathroom, oh. up on the wall, when you'd sit on the toilet looking right at you, was a poster of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleading team. <laughs> That seems of that time. That yeah. makes sense to me because they were a huge deal. They were they were the big cheerleaders of the whole league. That I remember. <laughs> I love my dad like looking out for people. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if we could use the bathroom, I want to make this have yeah. some fun. Make this entertaining. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, what else is uh, cozy about the? Uh, oh, oh, oh! You were saying wait, no. Wait, I'm we got to do sorry. Janet and Chrissy. Yes. God damn it. Okay. No, God damn it to me, not God damn it to anything God damn outside it all. of me. Um, okay, Janet is. Gosh, ooh, this is tough. I think I feel like it. Something grooves that fits. Okay, I know now. Janet is Michael. Yeah. Chrissy slash, um, her substitutes yeah. is. Jason, clearly. Yeah, specifically Chrissy, because she's a little, you know. Lighthearted. Yeah, and a little, you know, ditzier. I'm Their words, not mine. Right. Um, but Jason's a little ditzy compared to Michael, I think. Yeah, too. Jason is like the dumber, more fun version of Halloween. Uh, Friday the 13th movies are like a dumb. Yeah. I wouldn't. I know more fun is arguable, but like we talked about, no, when think, we talked about I the Halloween that's true. movies. Yeah. The fun of a Halloween movie is kind of, it's like dread. Yeah, it's seriousness. And yeah. Mo- yeah, the and mood. Janet was always like the mo of the group, you know? Yeah. Did you ever see the, were you a bit, I loved Ren and Stimpy so much. Mm, yeah. And there was an amazing scene where Ren says to Stimpy, uh, everybody loves you, nobody loves the jerk. 
Oh. Uh, and it's so true. Every duo, like, yeah, I know. Du- yeah. not us though. No. I don't think there's a dumb guy or a jerk. <laughs> We're both equally dumb. Dumb. <laughs> Okay, gremlins, we're back. We never left. Na, 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 me, doo, doo. Oh. We are the gremlins now. The gremlins rag, first of all, which is, I don't know what the title of that is, but it, that's what I would call it. The gremlins rag. I think it is called the gremlins rag. And then when they start singing it, I just remember that in commercials of the time. Oh, it would play. Oh my gosh. And you don't get the full rag until the end credits come yeah. up. It's kind of like hinted at throughout the movie. I mean... Let's give huge 1,000% credit where credit's due. Jerry Goldsmith, who wrote yeah, this score. Yeah. But when that full rag comes in at the end with the end credits, people were walking out of that theater, I bet, on cloud at, yeah. or the drive-in, yeah. driving out on cloud nine. Because it's like, uh, to hear it finally full come together as a yeah. piece of music. But it's a slow build, just talking about the score, because you don't get that rag till late in the film. But did you feel, you would know this, when they, when they cut in the kitchen to the orange juicer and mm-hmm. Peter is that the main character's name? Uh, Pete is uh, Corey Feldman's character. Billy is uh, Billy. Yeah, is that a shining nod in the score when it's just like a synth doing the kind of boom, boom or whatever oh, it is? Oh yeah, it feels very. I love I, all the spooky. No, no, no. I think all of that, like part of uh, what's like so cool about the score is that kind of like spooky, shining. Like there's like moog touches that yeah. maybe would have only really come out of that uh, five year, yeah. six year period. Of the because uh, uh, John Williams never really, with with exception of Lopty Neck, <laughs> and that was written by his son anyway. <laughs> His, his favorite son. He was like, I will allow you to write Lopty Neck for Return of the Jedi. Um, he doesn't really get into synth stuff. Yeah. But Jerry Goldsmith is like, get yeah. me on board. Do you want to, um, one cool thing about the, uh, uh, when I was saying, do you want to, I was like, do you want to hear something? Yeah. It was like, um, Jerry Goldsmith, that little, dun, 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 dun. Uh, the year before Twilight Zone, the movie came out and in that segment with John Lithgow, directed by George Miller, where he's like, there's a gremlin on the plane, there's a monster oh, yeah. on the wing of the plane. Jerry Goldsmith did music for that sequence. And when, people can go back and watch, when he puts his hand on John Lithgow's face on the wing, when he like reaches the creature, and then wags his finger no, you hear the gremlin's theme. He's just like, that was his first run. Oh, you're kidding. You hear like a little snatch of it. And then like a year later, Joe Dante, director Gremlins, uh, directed a segment that Twilight Zone the movie does it. And he just kind of like oh fleshes God. it out. And do you think that's, that's on purpose, I don't know. I don't know. I think it was just like, a, it was probably just in his, the steward yeah. of his mind at the time was like, this is good music for a little, for like a mischievous creature. And I think that's a movie that I want to cover at some point, Twilight Zone. I haven't Damn, seen yes, it in years. Yeah. But that gremlin from the Twilight Zone, the gremlins from this, and it made me go back and watch Falling Hair, yes. which is the Bugs Bunny gremlin thing, brings into question this larger myth of how gremlins were these mythical creatures that were tearing up fighter planes and, yeah. and bombers in World War II specifically. And I... I don't think I ever saw this movie through that lens before, that they are really just this mischievous creatures that are out to tear things apart and never caught that Mr. Futterman 
is uh-huh. wearing a bomber jacket and hat. And so he's actually kind of, you're, you're sort of led to believe he's probably had some experiences with gremlins. Before. Oh yeah. Has some, some PTSD about, yeah. uh, when he said WWII in the movie, that was the first time I not only like learned world war two, learned world war two period. Like that oh, concept, wow. yeah. was because of just by virtue of like early watching it oh, so early yeah. on, I was like, what is that? World War II. What's World War II? Oh, like, wow. this is so, yeah. Like he drives and then watching that following here, the Bugs Bunny cartoon where he goes, there's a Kremlin on the plane, which that's all inspired by post or during World yeah. War II jokes about, oh, our plane didn't work because there's a Kremlin. And then, yeah, Gremlin as a real creature which, you know, Chris Columbus wrote this as a spec script, oh. and he says the inspiration was he was living in New York in a shitty apartment, like a starving, struggling screenwriter, and he, on a cot, um, had his hand, or on a bed, his hand would come down, but the rats would come out at night, and he would hear oh. skittering, and he had these, like, fears of rats coming up and nibbling on his fingertips while he's asleep. Oh, God. And he started thinking like, oh, what's that? Like the fear of like little scurrying things that have vicious teeth that could bite you. So when he he called the gremlins, the script he wrote, so, and then from that point forward, you're right, every death in this movie you could look at as, and they do later, it's sort of kind of glided by quickly at the end of the movie. I mean, he says at the end, he's like, hey, if something doesn't work in your house, yeah. it could be a gremlin. But like, um, in the newscast, they're like a bunch of bizarre, unexpected accidents. And it's because if you wanted to look at it, everything, how people die or unrelated, like, uh, you could go, it wasn't a real gremlin, it was a malfunction of the machine. Yeah, like Deagle's, or is that her name? Uh, yeah. Her little chair riser thing, Futterman's tractor. Futterman's tractor, yeah, he blames it. You could say a cab malfunctioned. Yeah. Um, when the uh, when things that like explode and are blowing up, Yeah. the traffic lights that they, I mean, like, and then outside of that, like the dad's inventions are these constantly like glitching things. Yeah. And if you just look at the movie as like in total, the whole thing is just constantly like mechanisms like not working. And, you know, the character is called Gizmo. Oh, yeah. And inside a Gizmo lies a gremlin. I, I never, I haven't seen this movie in probably 20, 30 years. So oh, right on, this dude. This is the first time that has landed for me and probably would have landed with everyone right away long nope. ago. But yeah. I watched Gremlins so many, clearly. It wasn't until like 10 years ago when I was watching it and Billy says in the police station to them, uh, don't you th- see it's making it look like there are accidents. I was like, yeah. huh. And then I started rewatching the movie with that. And I was like, Oh, it's all, even just how the mom uses the microwave to kill yeah. a gremlin or uses the blender to kill a gremlin. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, uh, yeah, the, um, I, it took me a long time before I saw it with the eyes of that. Like, so you saying it, Oh, you hadn't seen it for so many years. What's your first touch of Gremlins, my friend? I don't remember. I I know I would have seen it that year. I can't remember if I saw it in the theater or it was like a rental for the first time, but it was definitely like a movie in the public consciousness and we talked about at school. Everybody like everybody was like, "The blender. Oh my god, the blender, the yeah. microwave." And, yeah. I mean, that was 
I, I remember more just the kind of reaction to everything. And then I'm sure we just rented it a bunch and stuff. So I have no memory of the first time seeing mm-hmm. it and then haven't seen it for years. And so it was really, really enjoyable to watch this. This jumped, I think, to the top of the five movies we've watched so far. Yeah. I'd put this one at the top for me. Hands so far. down, yeah. yeah. I mean, it might be... I've made personal top 10 lists in my mind of movies, and Gremlins isn't on it, but maybe if I did a top 15, I think I could see Gremlins being on it. It's such a fun, fun ride. It's such a fun movie. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, just on general discussion, it's a slow build, but in a good way. It's cozy, yeah. like you said. But when it starts to go, it's beginning with that scene with the mom, Yeah, that little segment with the mom is so good and it just goes from zero to 60 in that moment and it's so dark and just the fact that she's just stabbing one with a knife and then it blows up in the microwave i really was taken aback like i I, because you're just lulled into thinking this is kind of a a spielberg kids movie and it just isn't it's just a spielberg produced joe dante movie (laughs) for adults well and i'll add to that also when uh the the gremlin is using a strand of christmas lights to strangle the mom (laughs) when like billy comes in it's such a like a vicious crazy like image to see i mean the like yeah the spielberg of it all like there's et stuff throughout the movie there's like a literal et doll which is like a reverse of the um joke in E.T. where the mom doesn't see E.T. because she thinks it's a doll. Now E.T. is a doll and then like Stripe pops out from behind him at the end Oh, I didn't catch that. That's Um, funny. But it's it's funny because it's after a run of like Garfield and Bugs Bunny other like and Smurfs. Oh my God, I must have been writing a note. I didn't catch that. Oh, um, yeah, because your Smurf radar would have gone. Oh, yeah. There's a Smurf on screen. We're going to see it. Oh, yeah. That's all I watch movies for. (laughs) But the um, (coughs) we were saying like uh, yeah, the Spielberg of it all. This is like, I think within, this is summer 84. Uh, E.T. was summer 82. Uh-huh. And I think this was partly what the outrage about the what made the PG-13 was. People felt very tricked because they thought this is going to be another E.T. about a cuddly oh, yeah. character that's like brought in. It looks that way. Fantastical creature in the suburbs. We've all seen this before. And usually it's like nice things. But then, yeah, when... I can't imagine how fun of a like a hard left turn that would feel in the movie Ugh. when uh yeah but there must have been pissed off parents that walked out with their kids yeah or with with maybe because the kids are like crying yeah. like are horrified yeah yeah um because Gizmo is so cute yes like I, I could see how that's like a particularly even more jarring like thing because oh, yeah. he's cuter than E.T. He's he got is. fur and his eyes do more and emoting. And it feels like, like, like cinema cuteness has evolved to singularity because you've basically got, if you crossed Yoda yes. with an Ewok with, there's one other thing, I wrote it down. With a, with a bit of E.T. Yeah. Yeah, with you take Yoda, he's got like E.T.'s nose, Yoda's ears, an Ewok's face, and that becomes Gizmo the Gremlin, which basically all then reverts back to baby Yoda in The Mandalorian. But that there is this trajectory you can kind of plot of how like Yoda almost got there. Oh, those Ewoks went a little too far. Let's walk uh, it back. And then now we've reached perfection, which is what Gizmo is. Yes, you know? yes. The perfect amount of cuteness where it's like a cookie that isn't like too sugary. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't explain it, but Gizmo has Reese Witherspoon's mouth. I just trust me on that. If you look at the two, they just have a similar smile. 
I, well, I guess I saw Gizmo's mouth at one point say to the cops, Don't you know who I am? <laughs> We're the munchies. We're the munchies. Speaking of Gizmo, do you want to take a piss, bro? <laughs> yes, I'll take a piss, bro. All right. With Corley and Rust. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. With Corley and Rust. Yeah. What? I was just saying Ubadoo is a oh, way to get us back into the... Those gremlin noises are somewhere between like Jawas and... What else was I... Howie Mandel. I know. I didn't know that too and I saw it in the credits. I had no idea that he did voices. Did it make you make you retroactively not like uh, Gizmo's... Gizmo, period? Well, when Gizmo put a rubber glove over his head and blew it out of his nose <laughs> and carried a handbag. Uh, yeah, the... Uh, what... What is Mogwais, I guess is his yeah. uh language. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't ever um explain what 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 those gremlins are really about. No, and no one asks. No one is going like who what's this species? Well, it, it goes by and I never clogged this what? until I rewatched it this time. When they walk into the bank, Phoebe Cates' character Kate says to Billy Billy, who, by the way, is there's moments where he's like a deep asshole. He just seems to be like so annoyed by people in his life. It's like you can move out of your parents' house, yeah. Uh, and uh, but he goes um, when they go into the bank and they're going inside. She says, um, "Billy, what are these things? Where do they come from?" Okay, yeah. A, a very sensible, Yeah, succinct. everyone should be asking that. She's the only one that thinks to. Yeah. Does he respond? Should be the first thing when Gizmo pops out of the box. I know. Yes. Why isn't Hoyt Axton's first question, what are you doing to register this with science? <laughs> does But does Billy respond to... <laughs> what are you personally doing? <laughs> You have a responsibility yes, to all nature and mankind. You judge all of us about our responsibility to this particular, put it in a lab or a zoo. Yeah. Don't moralize with me about what whether I'm responsible or enough. You're worried about my responsibility? This thing could have life-saving properties. I'm not saying put it in a lab and test it and take blood from no, it like a science not. teacher, but at least like we need to know. This is a whole new... 
not even just a species, it's a whole new like reproductive method that <laughs> right. So this isn't be, just like beyond dog and it's yeah. like emotional capacity. It's also like uh xenomorph level of, I know. I, I you know, you pointed out um because uh, I said off mic, I was like, oh, I saw on my Twitter a picture of the brood. Yeah. Uh, hint, hint. Could that maybe be what we randomly pick? I like, hope that this, this would be such a good pairing. Well, and you brought that up because yeah. I was going to say, what I think is pretty cool with the Chris Columbus and coming up with this idea, but also Gremlins in general, this movie, and then all the ripoffs that came after that we mentioned, like it did kind of, I can't really think of a previous monster except for the brood that is about like a non-animal pack of kind of like vicious creatures like there's zombies but those are different because those are people that can kind of surround you and like the aliens but then yeah maybe i was like would the metamorphosis of gremlins existed if aliens had not like the idea of like they kind of start looking like different things throughout the movie. And well, just the pod hatching aspect of the gremlins, their pupil stage or whatever it is, does feel a lot like at least influenced by that. But you're right. When the kids in the brood go attack the school, that feels like the gremlins. Gremlins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I noticed like in the opening credits of gremlins, there's a shot where like the first kind of bit of mayhem you see in the movie, everything's kind of like, Chinatown and then beautiful Kingston Falls is like a girl's like reading a book and a kid comes behind and then throws a snowball at her head and then like a group of children just start running through the park. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh yeah, Gremlins kids, they're all the same. They're just like (laughs) little monsters that are just running around wreaking havoc. Metaphor for overpopulation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But did Billy respond to Kate's questions? Oh, yes, good. Uh, That's a good question. So he goes total dick terror. He goes, they're gremlins, Kate. Oh, man. Then he shakes his head, and if you look, he kind of shakes his head like annoyed. He goes, they're gremlins, Kate. Just like Mr. Futterman said. Okay, so, okay, I I guess I did catch that, but I have no problem with the gremlins being, like, of mysterious origins. It's just the lack of curiosity in most characters' part, or that, that it's as easily answered as they're gremlins, it does feel like if you're a screenwriter, like Kate's next line is, wait, gremlins are real? <laughs> or his line is, they're gremlins, Kate. Turns out they're real. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think I previously mentioned this uh, on another episode, but uh, my uh, uh, friend Neil Campbell pointed out in this movie, there's a point where Billy says to Kate, this is a very similar thing where he, they see Stripe in the window with the candy yeah. at the end. And he goes, that's Stripe. He's their leader. I know. He says <laughs> that right out of the gate. Yeah. Well, he goes, I didn't really ever put it together. He goes, first, he goes, this is Stripe. There's a moment where he says that. Then like yeah. two moments later, he goes, that's Stripe. He's their leader. And <laughs> Neil was always kind of like, her being like, okay, dork. <laughs> like, you named him Stripe. You're presuming he's their leader. This is kind of like, stand back. <laughs> This name, his name he gave himself and the other gremlins gave him is Stripe and they have a system where he's their leader. But he, he calls Stripe the leader right out of the gate when they're like first hatched and the dad comes in and he goes, that's Stripe. He seems like the leader. Yes. But that, even that, I was like, I haven't seen any evidence that Stripe is the leader. They haven't 
done anything to lead or Billy follow. is such a dork who's constantly looking for authority figures. He even sees <laughs> it in like the grub. He's, he's the boss. He's the boss of me sometimes too. I follow what he says. I do. Gizmo doesn't doesn't give orders, so I don't know what to think of him. Well, I don't know if you knew this about Gremlins, but did you know that in the original script and it was Spielberg who was like, Gizmo was supposed to become a Gremlin. Oh, that makes sense. So yeah, when you right, it makes sense where you're like, oh, there's a lot of portions where Gizmo's just in a backpack in the back half yeah, of the movie when the yeah. Gremlins. But also, I'm like, was Stripe supposed to be? gizmo like and so that's why they're going out of their way in ADR a lot of times going that's Stripe he's the leader like they're almost trying to like make it clear that would be more dark that the adorable one becomes the most evil one yeah I mean that really I mean Spielberg's uh, argument was just like people are gonna love gizmo so much you're gonna lose a lot of people once he becomes like so I get that but like um, totally it'd be a different Yeah, but like what would that movie be like if it'd be darker for sure because you would lose that little friend you have because you still you still with gizmo around the whole movie you understand that there's a good side of these gremlins yeah but with that gone you would kind of think like well eventually every good gremlin's going to turn into a murdering <laughs> creature right yeah and the i didn't think about like yeah that the, you could still have like goodness yeah. with with uh yeah. With Gizmo. Um, also, it makes Gizmo seem like he had like a plan, not a plan the whole time, but like from the beginning, he's his true nature is gremlin. He's just kind of waiting and wait, laying and wait until he can do it. And oh, now yeah. it just seems kind of like an accident. Like Gizmo's like, I didn't know bad guys were going to come out of me. I know that this movie is not meant to be put up to this kind of scrutiny, but I do have a couple of logic questions. Sure. What do gremlins drink if they can't drink water? Good question. And presumably they evolved in the course of time with every other creature on this earth over hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years, (laughs) in a time before someone could make someone not eat until after midnight or before midnight. Why haven't they just taken over the earth? <laughs> you mean during certain lengths of? Well, the minute that first gremlin, gene, that first like gene mutated into what makes a gremlin a gremlin, yeah, the first rainfall would then populate the earth with <laughs> yes. thousands upon millions of gremlins. Then presumably, there's no one not letting them eat after midnight. So the minute. 1201 hits and one of them takes a bite then they start turning into those things those crazy guys and i'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they burrow away during the day so they don't deal with the sunlight also if they're not out at day feeding they've got to feed at night so the world would be overrun by gremlins and we humans would not be here today (laughs) no these are all amazing questions because you it is like is gizmo has there been any gremlins before this? Is, or are they aliens or something? Yeah. The novelization oh, here we by go. George Gype. Wow, Paul. He That's incredible. I could be wrong with that name, but I feel like You're that, closer than I could have ever been. He gotten. he uh I haven't read the novelization, but I guess for a lot of people, he's like the novelization king because he'll sometimes fill gaps and stuff. But he uh, wrote um, uh, the novelization for Gremlins, and he says that they are from outer space. I guess that's the only explanation. It would have to be. Because clearly I've just proven that the other way cannot work. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, it's so funny. You're right because I never thought about how. At some point, Gizmo, if there was a, a other Mogwai around, a raindrops it gonna touch them eventually. And then, if they are from outer space, how does the old man know the three rules? Like, you know what I mean? That's awesome, and that's a great question because he's also. Whoever told him this, if an alien came down and told him the three rules, he is taking their word for it, too. He doesn't necessarily know. Right. The ran- Or maybe he did. Maybe that's a Gremlins prequel where he's like in Australia with a mogwai that got wet in the early 1900s. Or no, I think what happened is the old Chinese man went shopping on another planet for a gift for his son for Chinese Christmas. And... Bought, basically conned it out of the son of that alien. Yes. So I like the idea that the beginning of Gremlins could actually just be told again with this guy years before when he was buying yeah. a gift and got it from... Yes. That's... Uh, and then he got those three rules. Yeah. Um, I hope there's no like sort of telephone game that happens when the three <laughs> rules are told between owners where it's like... Don't feed them after 1 a.m., uh, don't get them damp. <laughs> or don't get them soaking wet. You can get them a little wet. Yeah. <laughs> or like weird ideologies get attached to it. It's like, uh, and let them watch Fox News. <laughs> they need it. You gotta, you gotta put them to bed in a little tortilla. You tuck them into it like a sleeping bag. Now that one I know. That's number two. Uh, Number one, what's number one? Something about uh, you gotta like, they like to sit in a spoon. <laughs> I think that's it. And oh, I know, they like to drink uh, Pepsi Cola out of a thimble. Good. That's the three things. That's, that's the song. Anyway, the, the water question what do they drink? They just drink pe- Pepsi. Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, do you, yeah, the, the question about the, because um, even if they drank a little water, a little dribble. Is going to get on their chin and does a little dribble mogwai poof out of his, poof out of their chin, pop out of their chin? That's a good question. They never, you never see Gizmo eating, do you? No. And there's a telling, like, when, when Billy goes to get the chicken. Yeah. You mean the giant plate of drumsticks of like 30 drumsticks, (laughs) non-covered, just on a plate? For the same chef that, uh, the mom that brought you a pile of chopped onions. (laughs) In the movie, <laughs> I love the mom in this movie. She's all, I she's mean, so good. She's the mom of moms, yeah, Gorley. She yeah. uh, is uh, Lorraine Baines' mom in um, uh, Back to the Future. She's the fifties. Oh, mom in I that. didn't catch that. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, and then um, she's the mom in Stand by Me, wow. who's like, uh, it should have, it should have been you. The dad says it, but yeah. she's the mother to that. And she, I was recently rewatching Scream. She's a mom in that. She oh is like God. the Amblin mom of moms. Wow, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, she's great. Oh, but she, yeah, she chops too many onions. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's <laughs> but practicing. <laughs> what did you compare to the Or what did I compare that? You said the, uh, the chicken? Yeah, the chicken. Which I wish that's what chicken was. It was just like a bunch of drumsticks. Oh, I know. Just ready to go. He brings it to the to the bad mogwai and they eat it. Yeah. When I used to watch it and he offers 
Giz, I want to. I'm curious if you had a thought. Like when he offers it to Gizmo, for the longest time, I thought Gizmo was kind of doing like a, uh, su- morally superior kind of like, no, I don't want chicken. I know it's wrong, and I'm not gonna do it. Um, but now when I watch it, it seems more like he's kind of just being like, no, not feeling chicken. But it brings it to your question, which is. <laughs> what does Gizmo eat? Yeah. What is he like? And I don't think he knew that the evil Mogwai uh, were up to no good. I think he would have intervened, right? You would have said, Billy, no chicken. It's after midnight, my bud. Yeah, I, I guess I couldn't answer that question because I would like to think Gizmo's like, no, don't feed me after midnight. Let me help you with your responsibility here. <laughs> but then he would have tried to stop the evil ones from eating. So it must have just been like, I get indigestion if I eat this late at night or something. <laughs> I'm in bed. Yeah. It's kind of icky to eat chicken in bed. Was that like covered in the fridge or was it just open on a plate? Is it going to smell like other food in the fridge? Yeah, salmonella. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, wait a minute. The, uh, uh, um, oh, well, okay. There's eventually we'll talk about the dog, but I think the dog in this movie is like amazing. It really is. Yeah. Uh, this this movie really hit home for me. This is not a new observation, but just how rich the '80s were with original stories and ideas. Yeah. I just will never see another era like that. I mean, that I can expect because everything is still being built off stuff built in the eighties, but like gremlins, ghostbusters, I know yeah. star Wars is seventies, but still Indiana Jones yeah. back to the future, just these original creative yeah. yes. concepts. And it was just like a, something was in the air that just all these creators were just telling these new stories. Yeah. And it's never been like that since. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm sure I just have its own nostalgia having grown up in it and stuff, but I do feel like that period, Post Revenge or Return of the Jedi, uh-huh. up until like after Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where it's like everybody's accepted blockbuster concept movies are what we have to make. It, the studios are going to make yeah. it, and these are the movies that people are going to. But there wasn't like a cynicism no. about it or something where it was sort of everybody's bringing their like a game ideas and. In the 80s, I don't know if... I mean, it's so funny it came out as Ghostbusters because a, a group of, like, slobs who run a ghostbusting industry is it such a great premise on its own idea that it came out the same day as the other great premise, which is, yeah. I could live a thousand time, lifetimes, Gorley, and I would never come up with as great of an idea as this creature that has three rules, yeah. and you watch the people break the three rules, and then bad thing it's just like the best i mean it's like equal to alien and it's just like simplicity that's so fun to watch yeah yeah i'm with you uh uh but yeah and uh oh oh so when you were saying the um uh these movies being made a lot of those were like uh spielberg hiring joe dante and robert zemeckis and Toby Hooper yeah. and John Landis. Yeah. And if you think about all those guys, their thing when they made those movies is that they're like kind of being subversive little shits. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I like that Spielberg in a way that was kind of like, I mean, he made 
1941 after he saw like Animal House and he just wanted to hang out with like those cool funny guys yeah. or something but like there's something I think very beautiful about Spielberg being like I know I don't have this darkness and subversiveness in me but I think it's cool and I will say with Temple of Doom and Gremlins this summer that year is the last time I feel like Steven Spielberg allowed himself to be socially irresponsible. Interesting. And anytime after that, I love his movies that come after that, but they're always a little, they feel a little too responsible. Yeah, a little yeah. maybe Disneyfied or something. Yeah. And yeah, there there are these years where Spielberg being an executive producer on some of these little mischief maker filmmakers yes. gets you a happy medium that really is a sweet spot. You know, I... I'd be curious, and in you know this this mythical heaven that I imagine, where you get to see every version of every movie, I would love to see Gremlins, Poltergeist, these versions that didn't have Spielberg overseeing them, yeah. just to see how dark they would go. But I think that the mix of the two is probably the the real sweet spot, and is probably the right thing to do. Or if Spielberg made them f- full out without those other directors, Correct. they'd probably be a little too. I mean, E.T. is that way, but it's it's brilliant. Yeah. But you don't want an E.T. version of Gremlins. Yeah. And you don't want like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre version of Poltergeist. You know? <laughs> right, right. But having, uh, yeah, both those taste together yeah. is, it works really well. Yeah, and we'll never see it again. Although, is I know Spielberg dropped out of directing the new indie movie. Is he executive producing it? I think he is. Okay, yes, so yeah. that might be interesting because we haven't seen. We'll have James Mangold directing, and you could, in a way, kind of. He kind of has that like edgier feel of these early '80s guys. Maybe we'll see a little sweet spot there. That'd yeah, be kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely. It's not like he's hiring a Beethoven's Brian Levant or to, Paul Grieg or who did the novelization for what you creep? What'd you call him? George Gipe. <laughs> This seems probably like Dan Williams or something. Like George Guy is like a crazy fever delusion. I uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, uh, but kind of like along with this, like Spielberg uh, with the PG thirteen rating. Yeah, you know he's like, I th- and it's true. He takes credit for like that rating because mm-hmm. he was like. Um, Yes, Poltergeist almost got an R, mm. and he appealed to the MPAA by saying, I don't make R-rated movies, mm. which is such a, an amazing a move. move. Yeah. And, you know, the MPAA, the way it gets into jams is it's not government, or it's good that it's not government, yeah. but, like, it's entirely a function that the industry puts in to safeguard themselves from outside forces. Right. So there's really no strict rules, no. and if... Steven Spielberg, who's making money for everybody yeah. and keeping a lot of people happy, if he says Poltergeist is an R-rated movie, it's not, I guess. But it, you watch it, and even Raiders has PG and Jaws. Yeah, he was like towing the line with all these movies, calling them PG movies. But so when he says PG thirteen, he goes, "I actually said to them, like, you could do a movie, you could do PG twelve, PG thirteen, um, and then they did it." It's so it reads to me like kind of like a kid who's like um, keeps breaking curfew. <laughs> His curfew is eleven p.m. and then the parents are like, "Fine, midnight's your curfew." 
that's what I've been saying. Yeah. I've been saying this whole time, just like make my curfew midnight. We'll all be happy. <laughs> he makes them think they thought of it, kind of. <laughs> that old genius move. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, look at this squirrel on the bridge with his hand on the ri- oh, oh, my that God. That was amazing. Did he, for that moment, have a little bow tie and a cap? Where are the munchies? <laughs> that cracked me up. You could believe in any uh, character once they announce themselves. I know. The thing Would they... you mind saying, we're the squirrels? We're the squirrelies? That's just a little guy. We're the gremlins. <laughs> we're the critters. <laughs> I'd like to take a second to nod my hat to Polly Holiday. A flow. Flow from Alice, which is a show that I adored when I was younger. <gasps> Do tell. Have we not talked about this on the no. show? No. Oh, God. I just watched it every... Well, if I could stay home from school, it would be on in syndication at like 9 a.m. That's and I just automatically going to make you look... You could be oh, watching yeah. snuff movies yeah. on like some weird Soviet oh, channel and you'd no be like, it's kidding. my favorite thing. I'm not at school. <laughs> the Price is Right isn't as good as people think it is. It's <laughs> that you get to stay home from school and watch it or it means you're in summertime. Um, but... Alice, I just love because like my mom was a single mom and working at this era, and uh, she plays Flo in this. And then in this movie, she's only forty-seven in this movie. The same age Marlon Brando is when he plays the Godfather. The same age I am now, and it's just oh like gosh. movies. The way they cast age in especially eighties movies, and especially for women too. It's incredible. Well, I was thinking about that with the actress who plays the mom. Like, yeah, I she's checked probably her, like thirty five. Yeah, right? she was in her late thirties, um, and that was when she got her run of roles was playing moms. Like she, because yeah. she exudes cinematic like momness. I know. And something about Polly Holiday, because when she played Flo, she's kind of like a. She's not necessarily like a powerful type like Mrs. Deagle and Gremlins, but they're both kind of. What would you say, like curmudgeonly or? Uh, yeah, she, yeah, she was a little, she was a little like jaded, I'd say. Okay. But she, I also remember her kind of being the like flirtatious one, oh. which does lead me to the Mona. What? Yeah, exactly the the Blanche. <laughs> What's Jason Michael Freddy for Alice Flo and Vera? Okay, so I. I've never seen a full episode of You're excused. Alice. So I'll handle this. All I know about them is like clips I've seen and um like that's why I was I was like I was so excited because I love hearing people's love for things that oh, I, uh, God, can't, I, loved Alice. I can't know. And and it also just seems like when I see moments from it, just the set of being in a diner. Oh, and I've seen Alice doesn't live here anymore. The mm, See, I've never seen that. <laughs> Well, that that has such a that's like one of the best like um, uh, mom and a kid mm, yeah uh, partnership in a movie. It's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. The theme song to Alice, she would re sing every season and do a different like jazz version of it. Polly Holiday would no Linda Lavin who played Alice. Sorry, so definitely Vera's Jason because oh yes, tell me yours. Yes. Vera was kind of like well Mel the. The diner owner, played by Vic Tabak, would go, "You dingy broad." So she, that his words. You think Jason's kind of yeah, he is yeah. like the dingy broad. Of and the, Flo's yeah. kind of the wise kraken. So she's Freddie. Freddie and, and the F's. Yeah, yep. and then Alice is Michael. I think Floaty Kruger would Floaty Kruger. <laughs> that's a good character. And Alice is sad. Michael. Yeah, the reason we're all here is because of Alice, because of Michael. Yep, yep, yeah, that's right. 
now, how long did that last? Was there spinoffs? Could you enjoy other Alice? I don't believe... Maybe they might have given Flo her own show, though. I may be thinking of Maud from... Maud came from All in the Family, right? And so did the Jeffersons? Yes, I believe so. I can't remember if... I'm also thinking of how the Ropers got their spinoff of Three's Company, but Flo left, and then um, this actress you now see pop up in a lot of good indie movies, and I can't remember her name, and I can't remember her character's name. And then, I'm just realizing, then Diane Ladd took over, and she was in the original... Yeah. Who, who is in Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore? Uh, 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 the, uh, Ellen Burstyn is okay, Alice. Okay, yeah, I'm confusing Ellen Burstyn. And then okay. Diane Ladd is uh, a, a, a waitress at the diner. In Oh. In Alice oh, Doesn't I Live did, Here okay, Anymore. Okay, wow. And what was her character name? Belle? What, why can't I remember this? I don't know, but it was weird how Three's Company, there was like the blonde portion of the trio each had three iterations in both Alice and Three's <laughs> Company. And they were kind of similar types. No, nah, Chrissy and Flo weren't, but... And Flo would always say, well, kiss my grits. Yes. And then one episode where a shake comes in, she goes, well, kiss my couscous. <laughs> oh, my God. And then Alice... Did they hold that for sweeps month? <laughs> Flo changes her catchphrase this they November. Did, they did jump the shark once or twice because then it was more than that because Alice would do this recurring character where she would play... A gangster named Sam something. Excuse me? A man. She would put on a little mustache and a sport coat and a pork pie hat and intimidate other men as a gangster. Okay, but she's not... Is the character Alice in that dressing up as yes. a gangster? And she would sometimes like they. I don't know if that's better or worse in either. terms of bafflement. I don't either, but they'd be like get into a situation where some tough would come into the diner and, and Alice would go, well, maybe it's time for a visit from Sam. And they'd all, like, everybody would nod like it was a weapon in their arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I used to be sad, bound I love those things of, like, in a movie or in a long-running TV show where it's, like, the actor's getting restless. Yeah. They want to do something else. They want to play a different note. You got from point A to point B, basically, yeah. yeah it just evolves. Um the uh, um, so she let's well we can t- use it as a way to talk about the cast. I think this yeah. is a particularly well cast. I agree. Movie. Um, you mentioned we mentioned previously Phoebe Cates. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like a plus amazing in this movie yeah. because she adds like so much dimension to every to this pretty could be a very stock genre character, and then she finds like different moments to play in these scenes. It's basically like, I don't know if this was her thought, but it's like, Hey, this is like a reel of like everything I can do as an actor. Like she gets to just play so many different notes and it's not because the script I don't think is telling her. It's like, she's finding different things to do. It's really cool. She has a groundedness that maybe Billy doesn't have. And when he asks her out on the porch, like I like his giddiness, but there's a moment where I'm like, I don't know how she's going to answer. And she's kind of holding her cards back. And then she lets this big smile out. And I felt like relieved out of my own kind of trauma from those situations when you're younger and asking a girl out, you know? Yeah. Like don't give me like, (laughs) as I'm asking the question, I need to see that this could be accepted as a possible option or I'm not even going to finish the sentence. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
uh, you know, did I uh, tell you once I was like uh, out at the, at the pool when I was probably like 11 or 12 and there was a girl I had a big crush on and I told my friend go over to her and tell her that I like her I'm Cyrano I'm doing a bad Cyrano thing <laughs> swimming pool yeah. Cyrano and so he goes over there and she, she went to the public school and I went to the other school, uh, the Catholic school. And she went, I saw his lips go, Paul Rust likes you. And I saw her lips go, who? Oh, no! And then, in like slow motion, I see my friend's hand and finger rise out of the water to point oh, at me. No! And I'm like, she's going to look over at me. My puny little fucking shoulders just sticking out of the water. My hair all wet, like matted down on my face. Like, do you find me attractive? So what did I do, Gorley? I dunked underwater and swam away before she could look over. It was like perfect. I was like, I wish every we were always in water. Yeah, it's such a great escape. So the, but what what became of it? Was that Leslie? <laughs> Yes. She, since the early 90s, Leslie was living in my small town in Iowa. And it was a romance for the ages. Slowly, years later, I proposed to her in a pool and I had another guy do it. (laughs) Did it just end there? Like nothing ever became of it? So, um, yes. I mean, we never, uh, that was like before junior high. Mm. And then in high school, I... Uh, got to know <laughs> so in the weeds, but like I got to know her, and then we just became friends. Okay, and she had sisters. She was like one of twins, and had a sister. Their whole family was a big mm. and cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, her dad was my little league coach. Oh wow! But like my late like sixth grade little league coach, and he was so cool. He owned the hot dog place in our town. Shit! He w- every practice you would come, you had. Hot dogs, like, waiting for you. Oh, Christ. So, he was so cool. This was the Little League team where the way uh, I showed my uh, uh, happiness to be on the team was I drew pictures of everybody and handed them out. <laughs> you okay. are an angel. So the last time I saw the <laughs> them was when I went back home to Iowa in the last few years. Oh, wow. I, I saw her and we just we we talked and stuff. It was nice. I mean, she probably doesn't even remember the pool thing. Oh and that was God. such a like a month period where I had a crush on somebody in sixth grade. But yeah, that's it. Do, do any awareness of where your crushes are, Gorley? Er, the early, the earliest one I can remember was I think in kindergarten. Jill Dudich, just red haired little firebrand. Uh, Dudich, <laughs> but I don't know what happened to her. And then. I want to say there was an Erica and a Shelly. I'm trying to think of the... Was like, it Shelly from Friday the 13th Part 3? Yeah. <laughs> I know where to find him on Twitter. Uh, I'm trying to think of the, the like one, like the earliest one I would even know where they are today. There was a Tina. Oh, Tara. My first real heartbreak. Seventh grade. Oh. And she... I was in seventh grade. She was in eighth grade. So already, like, this is big leagues. I don't, I'm out of my league. I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, but I had the hots for her. I, I just had never crushed like that on a girl before. 
and she's she i believe she sent a friend an emissary as well to say like do you want to go around with tara that was the terminology of the day around you go around and then you go with those like, were the terms as in like going around or like going a, around. a round of golf yeah like we're going around but if you use it in the that tense it's do you want to go around with tara huh. and then she took me behind the building and gave me my first French kiss, which I did not know what it was. Oh my gosh, Gourley! <laughs> and then I think I believe I like out of nervousness <laughs> kind of like pushed her back or something. <laughs> and she broke up with me the next day. <laughs> but now we're friends on Instagram. <gasps> oh my gosh, it was like, that must have haunted you or you're like, I blew it. I uh, pushed her I, away. Yeah, I felt so stupid, but I can't blame her. I mean, she's like probably kissing eighth graders who knew what they were doing and i you know like she was i was just out of my league i was out of my league but she seems well now that's good you're both uh it is funny when um throughout your whole life if if somebody winds up um marrying somebody or or in a long-term committed relationship with them and they are like your complete opposite it is like kind of a reassuring thing because you're like oh it was this was i was never their type this was an impossibility if only i knew how to french kiss though maybe we could have made it and been we would have been married by ninth grade (laughs) you would have kids by By junior year yeah Yeah. well i think when you got married in ninth grade you guys would have taken it slow then i think have a a couple years where you're just married and then have children (laughs) Just have a couple of years and then have children around 18 or 19. Um, I'm, we've never done this on the pod before, but I just feel like it's a way to work through this uh, movie with yeah. the cast. Yeah. So then, um, so we, we've mentioned, uh, okay, so um, Hoyt Axton. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. He is just like effortlessly so naturalistic. He's cozy. He is the cozy that voice. One. Do you remember he played Sam's dad on different strokes? Remember the redheaded kid that came in late in the series? Oh, played by Danny Cooksey? The Yeah, Cooksey? the one from Terminator 2. Yeah, and salute your shorts. Mr. D. He, wait, Hoyt Axton played that kid's... Yeah, because Dixie Carter was his mom, and Dixie Carter married Philip Drummond, Conrad Bain. And you never met the dad, and then Hoyt Axton comes in for an episode. Episode, oh at my least. gosh. Yeah. And was this pre or post Gremlins? Did he ride the success of the different strokes appearance in the Gremlins? I bet he Gremlins went around or? playing Gremlins card and he went up to Conrad Bay and he goes, You got a pretty good gig here, friend. You and he know was I was a, in the Gremlins film. And he, he was a, he's also a country western yeah. singer. Yeah. I do feel like he brings, like, because he's like got another gig as a country western singer doesn't take this fancy act and stuff too seriously now. no it's just like there's yeah. no pretension no and it works for him because he's neither like the best actor but he's also cr- really natural oh the the just the exquisite naturalism of yeah it. and it's sort of like if it wasn't that it could blow it all like when he's given like those rules like i love oh, yeah. how he goes like um okay first rule there's care lights we know that yeah <laughs> Like, we just saw Gizmo losing shit right now from your mom taking a picture. So let that one go. We figured it out. So we know that. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, uh, 
also just that he's part of this like pantheon of like doofy dads in these like Spielberg movies where yeah. like E.T. non-existent Close Encounters will leave an entire family to go chase Jeez. space creatures uh, Poltergeist he buys the house that like wreaks havoc like if yeah. dad hadn't like wasn't the realtor here we didn't have to live in ghost house because of him uh-huh. and then uh, yeah then here with Gremlins like the moms are always like resilient yeah. <laughs> and the dads are always like making decisions that get yeah. the family in so much trouble. <laughs> yeah. When he's in the little like souvenir shop in Chinatown. Yeah. And he brings out his bathroom buddy and he talks about dragon breath and he looks down at the dragon. I so badly wanted badly wanted him to say, No offense <laughs> to the dragon. I thought it was coming. <laughs> and then the dragon turns to camera. Nan taken. We're the dragons. <laughs> uh yeah, uh, I I can't imagine anybody else being cast as the dad. And no, and then I also had no idea Judge Reinhold was in this. I didn't remember that. Yeah, with a little Fast Times reunion. Yeah, no kidding. I I didn't know if at some point his character was going to go off and no, rink 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 to to the room room. Um, yeah, he's pretty good as this kind of like yuppie. Yeah, um, scuzzball character. Mm-hmm. Um, he was supposed to be um. He has a scene that was in the TV version of what I watched, Gremlins. That was like a deleted scene where when they go in the bank, he's hiding in the vault. And it's kind of like, you know how everybody has their own particular way of getting creeped out and freaked out by the Gremlins? feel like his character disappears, that this should have been in there. Yeah, and there was a whole subplot about the bank and Mrs. Deal or maybe working together to buy parts of the town to take them over. Because there is an It's a Wonderful Life sort of parallel going on, even in what the mom's watching. Yeah, right. And the like, when they walk into the house and the sword falls off the wall, that kind of feels like the little like... Yeah, oh, I didn't connect that. The The noodle post. Yes, on the staircase that he keeps pulling off and stuff. And that happens like right before she's watching It's a Wonderful Life. Anyway, it it was a... I digress. Sorry. I, uh, oh, 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 oh. That, um, and if you listen to the news anchor at the very end, this was the first time I ever like tried to listen to it. He says, like, uh, the bizarre death of Mrs. Deagle, uh, wife of disgraced something something. This oh, yeah. now seems like it'll be the end of their controversial, and it must be about like how they were going to take over the town, and that was just like a remaining yeah, subplot. But yeah, Judge Reinhold, I guess, is probably a part of that, but he's in the vault and it's like, he's hiding in there to stay away from the gremlins because the bars of the vault, like keep him safe. But I can't imagine like following up Kate's uh, Christmas uh, dad and the chimney story and then having Judge Reinhold follow that. That, yeah, that story's crazy too. Talk about dark for children. Holy, maybe the darkest thing of that part Uh, is that at the end she says, that's how I found out. Yeah, there wasn't Santa Claus, and I saw this as a kid. Yeah, for many years I still and I. That's just like one of those things where you go, nope. don't know what that means. No, nope. <laughs> not didn't hear it. Didn't hear it. Didn't hear it. Didn't hear it. S- survival. Didn't hear it. I have to get gifts. Didn't yes. happen. Didn't happen. I imagined it. It didn't happen. It Gory, didn't happen. The like survival of my gifts is such a truth. That is why your brain is willing to like, yeah. if I accept this, I am losing half my Christmas presents. This Self-denial year. is a powerful thing. 
I've just figured out what's making the noise in our podcast, and it's both of us. These little pump, pump, pumps. Oh, it's when our cords rub against this little ribbed thing. But so. do you think maybe this will become the? Sorry about that. By no, the way, did, I'm we're both best. doing it. I realized yeah. I was doing it too. <laughs> the, the the podcast um, equivalent of like a rim shot. <laughs> Well, like a hundred years from now, after somebody makes a point about an Easter egg they saw in the Gremlins, you'll hear like. That monologue threw me. Yeah. And that had to be, you know, we often talk about audition monologues for movies because I don't think Phoebe Cates was at offer status necessarily. Right. So you bet right, she right. and others, Jennifer Jason Lee, you know, probably auditioned with this monologue and they're out there. Uh, Michelle or Jennifer Connelly, <laughs> all the, all the takers. Uh, Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson, Jennifer Grey, <laughs> uh, Jamie uh, Gertz. Uh, yeah, she, th- there are moments where, yeah, it has the like, what's the word, patina? Of a of an audi- of a well rehearsed, not in a bad way. Yeah. It's just like this is like it's just a moment. Yeah, that scene was supposed to be uh, um, Steven Spielberg didn't care for it. He was like, I think you could take that out, but Joe Dante, I trust you if you want to keep it in. And Joe Dante was like, I think it's the spirit of the movie. That's his reason for keeping it in. It's like this kind of like mixture of partly funny, weird, yeah. scary. Where do you fall on that? Because I like it, but I think it doesn't feel like it belongs it it did i mean i was watching it going whoa like it took me out just i started thinking about the making of the movie instead of watching the movie (laughs) yes right yes i mean the first this is the first time when i rewatched it this time where i had the thought oh because i it was the time i had to ask myself the question because i was like oh we're gonna talk about this i was like what do i like about this scene and i thought i think it might be in every horror movie there's always like you need a breather moment, especially in a moment a movie like this where it's all about like increasingly amounts of chaos and havoc. It requires every once in a while and a breather moment. And those sometimes can just be like boring. Yeah. And I was like, I like that the breather moment is like sustaining a cr- it's making things creepier uh-huh. or it's making the tone even like deeper and more richer. Look, I'm a Gremlins apologist, so... You don't need to apologize to me, but it does make me feel like Phoebe Cates' character has lived four more lives than Billy has, and that this relationship is not going to last. Well, then you wonder, is this on, like... I mean, she says that monologue, and no matter what, that character was going to say it. But, like, with all due respect to Zach Galligan, is that who plays Billy? Yeah. I feel like on the page, those both characters are equally thin and she's yeah. just like adding so much yeah. he is a, i mean just a the thinnest paper of a char- there's not much going on in the character there and so the actor's gonna have to require look he's got a nice chin and he's photogenic so he does the job but like he's uh, just blank slating it sometimes yeah it's it's really um rare that especially a movie in the 80s where this kind of usually the female role is kind of secondary, which in this case she certainly is to mm-hmm. Billy, but that her character has a backstory and a rich kind of <laughs> depth that the main character does not have, either in writing or performance. And I, yeah, well, and it's just the backstory element is like key because it's sort of like Billy's backstory is a little mysterious because it's like, 
I think he was originally written to be younger. Yeah, how old is he? Well, when I looked up Zach Gallagher on IMDb or Gremlins, I Googled it. One of the first questions is, was, how old is Billy? How old is Billy supposed to be? Was uh, the question. Hmm. And I don't know. Because they're both out of high school, right? She's working in a bar. He's working at a bank. Yep. But did he go to college? Do you have like to they, go to college to be a bank teller? No. no. In fact, I remember people my age group when I went out, like people would become tellers in lieu of going to college. Oh, Back okay. when like there were a lot more bank tellers in the world. Yeah. Because um, it was uh, a good job that didn't necessarily require a college diploma. Or, yeah. Like, or like I often f- sort of saw like young women who were planning to kind of go into a traditional like mother and role just have be a bank teller until they got married was or a nice- something job that earned money yeah i guess yeah Yeah. um yeah so uh and like so there is kind of this weird thing of like how old is uh it seemed like they aged him up from a script but they didn't do everything like so he still lives with his parents and they try to explain why Corey fomo would come over it's like i delivered your tree But then they're up in Billy's bedroom and he's taking his shirt. I know. That with was... a kid like hanging out on his bed. But that I think is just an 80s thing because I remember there was this older guy in my neighborhood who what? was just like the cool guy and he'd just come over with his shirt off. I mean, it wasn't like we were in his bedroom, but although I bet that wouldn't have stopped him either. And it wasn't anything. He yes, was just right. like a dude who loved to wear zip up hoodies with no shirt underneath. So if he'd ever feel like taking it off, it was no big deal. It just wasn't thing as much yeah do I you guess. think right now the shirtless man choice is a harder choice is, is, is when i say harder i mean like a firmer more like i hope so you should really have to work to do that because i was also watching some current youtube videos of def leppard and phil Collin, the guitarist always performs without a shirt he's fairly aged man at this point but he's really ripped and it's quite Oh, he's ripped. Um, it's quite alarming, not just that he's ripped, <laughs> but that this man cares to be this at this point. Yes. But what really threw me wasn't that he gets on stage and does it. It's that this this video was about Def Leppard meeting up with Bon Jovi in Denmark. They're both on tours. And it's broad daylight, and they are like hours from a concert. And he is, I'm not kidding, oiled up and shirtless. <laughs> and so much so that when Bon Jovi walks into this like hangar, they're hanging out, and he goes, and Phil Collin opens his arms to hug him. Bon Jovi goes, I ain't going to hug you. I see you're already pre-oiled. Oh. <laughs> and he steps him and then goes and hugs Joe Elliott. Oh. It was incredible. Oh my God. Man, I guess that's so sad. It's like Edward Scissorhands. Like if you oil your body, you're automatically just disconnecting yourself from human connection. Yeah, and as well you should. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever... Oiled your body? Hmm. <laughs> I've never oiled my body. I don't think I have either. And uh, certainly not. Four it, hours it's a quick. A it's a quick move for me. In my trunks into the tu- into the pool. Yeah, I'm not spend a lot of time outside no. the pool before I get into the. No, and it's not a hundred percent out of total modesty or embarrassment. It's just the presumption of maybe some people don't want to look at this. Yes. I don't want to decide for them that they want to look at this. Yes. So yeah, they can ask for it. <laughs> But I'm not going to get No, my daughter and I, we went for a walk. Uh, it was a semi-hot day out. 
like a 65 year old man walking down the street with his shirt off and she was like why does he have it why why does he like not have a shirt Good on question mary and it is it's, yeah. it's just like oh it is kind of like um yeah it's a yeah not fair the beach and that's it Be- beach and and your own home and and it's not a law i'm not pushing anybody that way but for me well, and then we, did we talk about this on mic last time about there were, um, you'd go over to people's houses and there were either, I don't think we did, it was a bit, it was like, <laughs> there were uh, mean dad houses and non-mean yeah. dad houses and stuff. I feel like there was also shirtless houses, yeah. shirtless dad houses and yeah. shirt wearing dad yeah. houses. Yeah. I could tell you on my block, <laughs> house by house, which was which. <laughs> Like that video game Paperboy when he like delivers the papers and they stay green or red. Like green is non shirtless. Yep. Yep. That's a shirtless house. Shirtful house. Shirtless. I think my dad was shirtless on the weekends for yard work, actually. Gosh, did my dad get Cause there was also a lot of tank tops at that time, and then you're like halfway there. Yeah, I think when my dad did yard work, he was shirtless and then when I would feel, um, when my dad would flex and yeah. he let me like feel his muscle when I was a yeah, little kid, arm, yeah. yeah, I just my dad had like I was like he has a strong muscle, yeah. Uh, my dad has strong arms, and I've been like waiting since the age of like sixteen <laughs> for these like muscles to kick in, I'm, like it never happened. <laughs> I'm and I don't think my dad was necessarily doing work. <laughs> yeah. he, he's not a guy who worked out. He was just like maybe pounding a hammer. That was giving him uh, upper strength or something. I'm the but. same with chest hair. My dad had chest hair. I don't have chest hair. I have zero chest hair. And I've never grown in a... I, mean, I can't grow a beard. I can't grow a mustache. I don't have any well, of that juice. I But I can grow a decent beard and I have really hairy legs, but I have no chest hair. Why is it just took, took a break? Well, I mean, uh, I hey... Hairy chest, not hairy chest. We love variety is the spice yeah, of life. Yeah. Uh, God has all made beautiful, beautiful people. But uh, I feel like we lucked out in terms of the era that we live in mm. to not be able to grow chest hair because um, I think a lot of fellas they sort of they some, yeah yeah you they know they manscape they manscape they did they, they have to they work to get rid of it but. I wouldn't have wanted to have been in the mid seventies going to a pool party with my non hairy chest. I know. I think that's why I sort of have a grass is greener or the chest hair is greener because I I'm so like was raised in that Burt Reynolds, Matt Houston era of just Tom Selleck of just that thatch of just that meadowy, downy. Do you think Schwarzenegger <laughs> and Stallone were the guys who got that out the door? They must have been. And you wonder, like, maybe they couldn't in the first place, so they're like, I do this on purpose. Yeah, listen, uh, this is Adrian uh, Toby's... Uh. I, you, you should see this. It's, you, it grows out. Like, I can't put on a shirt, so I have to take it Oh, off. my gosh. Yeah. He's Brilliant. protesting too much. Oh, yeah. I could fall down and knock it hurt. It's, I have my own mattress. Okay, I gotta go. Bye, Schwarzenegger. Bye. Um, I love you in um, end of days yes okay thank you for that collateral damage just is early aughts work <laughs> late late 90s early aughts work the sixth day 
Eraser? Jimmy Gunn. Eraser with Jimmy Gunn. <laughs> he has uh, a head chest. Um, okay. Um, should we start with... <laughs> yes. Um, that Warner Brothers logo. And the music. The shield. Yeah. And the... This is Warner Brothers. Because they're also like, there's a Chuck Jones cameo in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like this is that rise of Warner Brothers or a renaissance of Warner Brothers beginning that would lead you through the mid to late '80s, where they started showing the Warner Brothers cartoons before the movies again, mm-hmm. and like Christmas Vacation, and they kind of had a yeah. renaissance and stuff. Yeah, Joe Dante is a big animation fan, mm. loves cartoons. Oh, that's what it is. A great okay. artist himself, and loves uh, Chuck Jones, and so. Uh, he was the guy who got the shield back, man. So Saul Bass, oh. the squiggly worm, Warner yeah. Brothers, yeah. Uh, the dots on the white circle. Which is in, in the credits at the end. That's oh. in the like copyright. That wow. Yeah. Interesting. He, uh, Joe Dante was like, why don't we make it? This is like a classic Warner Brothers movie. Let's bring back the classic oh, Warner Brothers shield. And then they brought that music out. And then from that point forward, it's all... Uh, the Shield. Until Nice Guys, where they brought back the Saul Bass one. Ah, yeah. Is there also... It's not before Zodiac. Can but yeah, before Nice this Guys. a segment on the show? What do we call it? Like, Logo Talk? What logo we, Talk. Uh, yeah. Something. Is there something... Uh, gosh, too bad there's no L words that are about talk. Uh, uh, logo Lollygagging. <laughs> logo Loquaciousness. <laughs> Cause, <gasps> loco, logo, loco, logo, loco. Yeah. Oh God, El Pollo logo. That gives it a little uh, yeah. burst of adrenaline. I love it, Lo- yeah. logo, loco. Because I learn a lot from you on these things. You are well versed in these production <laughs> logos, and I love it. <laughs> well, what a, I mean, what a tale for this one, huh? That the filmmaker brought it, it was the one who brought it well, out. Well, it is. It really is. <laughs> um, I didn't know that. I saw. Um, Gremlins, uh, a midnight screening event, the New Beverly once, mm. and it was a test print. It was oh. a, a print that they had bef- before they finalized it. So there were some scenes in there that weren't in the Whoa. in the final movie. And before that came up, it had a little um, paragraph that came up that said, "This is a test. Like this is not the official film. That was part of the original." Whoa. And Joe Dante hosted it. He came and showed it. I saw Joe Dante there. But when that little thing came up, the words, um, I was sitting with uh, my friend uh, 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 Mookie Blakelock, uh, Michael, and uh, we still talk about this. There was a guy in front of us, and when that little paragraph came up or whatever that said this is our sentence, I was like, this is a test screening. podcast he won't do it justice but he did like a little like mid-air jump in his seat <laughs> he's like yes and he like pumped his fist up in the air he was like so oh man everybody's gotta have their sports well i understood it like yeah, that's what that's what I mean. i'm worse because i no want i to do it. that it's you, in my body it's everybody like, wants to cheer for something and for some people it's the dallas cowboys and for some people it's the joe dante led test screening <laughs> Test print of gremlins. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I go through a lot of like stuff in my mind when I'm watching stuff with like fans that like 
It's too much. I don't judge others. I'm like in judgment of myself sometimes about my fanship. Oh, Clearly, I'm not what changed. I'm talking endlessly about Gremlins here. But. Never changed. It's just the fact that you stood up in the theater and asked who's rooting for Freddy and who's rooting for Jason. That's why it's Gremlins. Uh, oh, but we God. talked about that like uh, public displays of kookiness kind of. For me, they ended when I moved to L.A. Yeah, L.A. is a tough place to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because everybody <sighs> thinks they're Vince Vaughn and Swingers. I know. It's, yeah, and I grew up here, and so I, man, I could probably kill in well, Colorado <laughs> it, when the movie's starting and you do bits in the movie. No. Well, I thought of you with a, a there's a flasher gremlin in this, right? Did yeah. you do a flasher costume character? I did in junior high. I went for, to school, it was costume day for Halloween, and I went as a flasher. This, that anecdote and that moment in Gremlins really solidifies that that was the decade of the flasher. Yeah, flasher jokes were huge. And maybe we discussed this before, but I feel like with it, it's never implied that there's masturbation going on, but that's what it is usually, right? Like a guy just enjoy just showing somebody he's naked. It's usually in these situations, like I feel like we see the G rated version or whatever rated version of the reality, which is like somebody... So much so that I don't even know what the real thing is. I only know <laughs> the pop culture version of it. Because if you are getting your, your gear done, how are you opening your coat with both hands? Because the whole right. impact of a flasher is that kind of like liquids behind curtain number one. Let's open the door. Well, maybe that's what it is. It's a curtain rod system in their <laughs> shoulders. And they're just pulling it with one hand and then the other hand is uh, doing trickery. <laughs> trickery. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It The flasher can only be he's opening wide the and yeah. then late. Or maybe there is no sexual gratification. Maybe he's just a trickster figure going out into the world. And, yeah, he means no harm. <laughs> He's just there to enrich your life with a little bit of entertainment. But I feel like when people have stories about, I saw somebody, a stranger naked out in public, it usually is they were gratifying themselves. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I know Amanda has recounted that once to me, but I think it was just a showing on a train. You know what I mean? I don't, but maybe she didn't want to tell the whole story. Maybe she was, I don't know. I, the whole thing awful. I don't know. Strangers yeah, on a showing. Train was originally showings on a train. <laughs> and it was about two perfect showings. Two people who would never show each other. Then they, they could swap. But it's, it's crazy how something so diabolical as like a man forcing a woman in public to see something like that becomes this almost quaint public kind of joke that's just oh a flasher yeah i know i didn't know better when i went i mean i was wearing swimming trunks and a tank top underneath but i just was told like flasher's funny you know and that's like that that's crazy well yeah did we 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 were talking oh oh we talked once on uh on the podcast about things that squeal like a pig that actually like become these kind of like memes that people just say and then you it's actually a horrifying thing that we didn't I said, and we're like, what was the thing you said? This is so crazy that I remember months later. Wow. But I think it was the Chinatown um, sister-daughter yeah. slap oh, yeah. thing. It's like also another thing where it's like, oh, that's like a weird, that's a plot line about an incestuous 
progeny. Yeah, and I don't have a history with that movie. So when I watched it recently for the first time in forever, it was like, whoa. If you don't have a full, like if this movie wasn't with you your whole life, it it's jarring. Yeah. I think... I mean, it was meant to be jarring in the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. But no, I yeah. think like with the with the flasher, the same thing you're kind of saying, like it starts off as this thing and then it eventually just becomes kind of this like... Um, uh, it's like... Well, the gremlin like, is doing the flasher joke in this movie. Yes. It's hula- yeah. hilarious. I don't mean that the joke is hilarious. <laughs> right. It's hilarious that this is what... When you extrapolate from point A to point Z <laughs> what the original thing is and how horrible it is to... Oh, that it's a g- gag in a silly gremlin movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's oh, crazy. What I was going to say was like with Chinatown and like with uh, Deliverance and stuff, I think it's partly people's... It's their discomfort about the feeling they had when they saw that scene in the movie and the way they're dealing with it is like they gotta make a it's like a tittering kind of like <laughs> yeah. joke about it uh, in the same way with the the flashers it's like let's not really think about that flasher yeah. thing it's just funny that they wear big trench coats yeah and are naked underneath now that being said when the other gremlins are dressed up and playing poker I'm rolling I'm rolling oh. that one has like on a, a like, like a lady gremlin a lady's hat who's helping him cheat and is like looking at the other gremlins' cards. Yes, I'm rolling because I also like there doesn't seem to be sex to the gremlins if they're self-replicating. <laughs> right. So it's not even like it's a boy. I'm not laughing because it's a boy gremlin dressed no, as a yeah, woman gremlin. Right. Just that these guys are they exist only for mischief and mayhem, oh and they're just like gosh. if I can put on a lady's hat, I'm gonna put on a lady's hat and smoke and play poker, and I'm dying. I'm Holy, dying. it's the it's just like bliss, man. That like four minutes when they're in the bar, <laughs> just like so gag good. after gag, it's like so of good. it's the, so funny. I just like have a huge smile on my face, and it's so dark because they've got Gizmo pinned up on a dartboard. Yeah, when they're, they're at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Time. Yes, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, and then. Uh, God, there's so many amazing moments. And there's a shot where it's like tracking across the floor and you see like gremlins kind of walking along this like popcorn bar floor. And then... um, Yeah, remind me of some of the things in that bar scene because I want to like... Gorley, I wrote them down for the occasion because to read them, uh, I I don't even mean aloud, just to read them with your eyes. It You see how they're just like topping each other. Okay. Uh, Starts with they're just all at the bar. They're drinking, smoking cigarettes. That alone. Having, drinking E.T.'s favorite beer, Coors. Oh, yeah, and Burt Reynolds <laughs> smoking the bandit. But also that Phoebe Cates is having to serve them. They're not killing her. So They're like, funny. we'll do something later with her, but first, we need her to have this good time. <laughs> Lighting cigarettes for them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pouring drinks for them. <laughs> um, okay, then the flasher. Then the gremlin laying on his back. Filling up his tummy with beer. Oh, God, that's right. Which is later, they do that with like yogurt, grubbins too. Uh, playing pool, playing croquet on the pool. Oh, God. Um, one of them I noticed was wearing some uh, terror train glasses. Oh, uh, uh, some jean shallots. Yeah, some jean shallot glasses. Uh, they're playing like a Star Wars arcade game. That's right. And that the is that the that, trench run? Or yeah, something? I think so. That that like vector line one. Yeah. But the fact that these aren't just like 
tossed off little improvisations on set where we can do this, this, and this, that these are all animatronics and puppets that have to be set up so, and planned so much in oh, advance yeah. for these gags. And they're so toss away. It's uh, so yeah. Well, from what I understand, I think of the production is that all the gremlins puppetry stuff was just saved for the end after oh, they wrapped all the actors. And it was just like um, weeks of just hanging out with puppets doing like ah. gags. I just like, it delights me to imagine like a group, a big group of adults yeah. all like working together to have like a gremlin pull his snot out from his, with his finger. This so, is what yeah. they could never understand on the Muppets. We need to be free to do this. <gasps> I mean, it does feel like extended like Muppet gags during that Sure, scene. especially when yeah. she's at the bar filling their things and it just, just feels like a human interacting with Muppets. Uh, they're doing the, yeah, the classic like Muppet uh, group all movie. <laughs> uh, okay, so then there's um, Stripe playing poker with the lady gremlin helping him cheat. <laughs> he doesn't like the cards so he fires a gun at one. <laughs> gremlin sneezing in beer. Them changing some music to jazz and a lone gremlin oh, sort of yeah. like drinking a bourbon and smoking a cigarette. And then a hand puppet comes out. That's hilarious. That's held by a puppet and he hits it with a mallet and it makes Looney Tunes sounds. Is it the like, whole thing is so Looney Tunes, all of it. I think Joe Dante tells a story about the test screening where Spielberg like was seeing the sequence and he didn't know like how bizarre and far out it got. And it, what's so amazing, it's like, why I love class clowns or whatever. It's like, you can't get mad at me if you're enjoying it. <laughs> it's such a fun thing. Like this whole movie, you're just like, you got a smile on your face. It's like, I'm not going to be mad at these crazy things this movie's doing. I was going out a middle school, seventh grade class clown, just for the record. I'm not proud of it, but it's in the yearbook. Check you were out. voted. Yeah. Like, so when they had to make the choice. Yeah. I'm not proud. Class, oh, I'm not proud. why are you not? Class clowns are the best they bring the spice of life to to a dreary day i guess it depends if if a class is blessed with a good class cop then they're off if they're bad blessed, know, the verdict's out on me they like would you um do some uh snl character voices for people this was before that but i did stoop to that in high school for sure good good <laughs> <laughs> i like it uh, that's when i lost my title then there's um a spoof of flash dance. Oh, that's right. That's what I was trying to remember. And you just it just begins with the legs in the foreground with the leg warmers. Yes. On. Yeah. Yes. And then um the, the that shot of the gremlins running along their feet like kind of like jumping along the floor. Gremlin pulling snot out of his nose. <laughs> And then this is like Paul Rust heaven. All of it. Oh my God. That's why I wrote I, it all I down. I'm this, just like, yeah. it, I can't, I'm at, and this is just like in a minute and a half. Two I know. Minutes. It's one of the strongest minutes of cinema history. <laughs> <laughs> and then it ends with him with a gremlin, putting his finger in a socket with smoke blowing out of his ears. <laughs> I might need to rewatch this. I sequence. tweeted this like, uh, I think a couple months ago. I don't know if you saw it, Corley, but I was like, it's interesting to note that if you look at any picture of me between ages 8 and 12 is no matter what in that photo I'm thinking of gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like truly I like I feel this is like if I had to cram a Star Wars in in I I'm so I'm t 
I hope my gremlin's love isn't coming out too hard. You should be, this is, where else could you be as free as you should be to discuss this? Now, I loved this movie, but there was something about watching it knowing how much you love it that made me love it even more. Well, that's nice. I think it was before we even started recording that of the five films, this one has jumped to number one for me so far. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, um, the... It's tough that it came the week after Body Double because that was also just a lot of like me. It, those are your two like that's your your id and your super ego. Yeah, you know what though? This is good now. This is kind of, yes, that's funny. Or your id and your ego. I was gonna say the five now your five movies. It's a little bit kind of like the trip back home. Like, yeah, I, tell this, me what it's gonna be like. The what stress am I is off. Find out? It's kind of like oh, now we get I to know. just like watch Gorley's movies. But and, now I'm worried what I'm gonna find out about myself. Because some of these I just picked because I haven't seen them well. Some I haven't seen at all. Some like the Brood I have to reckon it's, with, you know. And it's interesting. I feel like your mix is the same as my mix, which it mm. wasn't all. I love all these movies. It's just sort of like some I want to see and yeah. some I do love, and some I just like like to go back and rewatch. I'm just realizing I've got three that I've not seen. So you haven't seen Scanners, Motel Hell, or Sleepaway Camp. Wow, fun, Gorley. That's because you're adventurous. No, I'm just afraid to watch some of the ones I've seen. No. <laughs> the Brood I need I need to put to bed. The Brood has like a it's like a low key version of Halloween for me. It scared the crap out of oh me. Oh my god. And then yeah. American Werewolf in London, I just I I you know, I think that was the first horror film I enjoyed that I wasn't too scared. Like something tipped where I was still scared, but something oh, tipped cool. into like I can handle this one because it's also kind of funny and yep. I could catch that as a yeah. kid. And something about that movie felt a little bit more um, approachable. And so, but I haven't seen that in years either. Oh, yeah. I mean, that has that nightmare sequence that's pretty well, that, within terrifying. Yes. Which right. that did scare me. But yeah, that, it's but funny. see, even those guys that are so scary in those nightmares, they're still wearing Nazi war stuff so right. i was just still like well it's just a world war ii movie uh, yeah 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 <laughs> i mean and nazis are just as bad as these guys i don't know why gremlins didn't like freak me out like i i thought this stuff was like gross but in a fun way like yeah. the blowing up in the microwave and then when the sunlight hits him at the end and he's like all goopy oh, and yeah. stuff i mean um, that's a great death scene yeah all it really fun- is like people leave that out of some of the great death scenes yeah and then with that a bubble after he dies the bubble comes up and it scares the dog to go backwards yeah. okay I can't believe I haven't taken this moment yet okay the dog's name I'm gonna refer to him now as his actor's name Mushroom oh wow Barney is played by Mushroom <laughs> I'm gonna say this it is hands yeah. paws down <laughs> the best animal performance by an animal in any movie he unties a knot for christ's sake <laughs> he's doubted with knots but he is so expressive has crack comic timing that part yeah. where the gremlin spits the tobacco juice or whatever the on the carpet and he looks down and with the other gizmo they both look up together yeah incredible the moment where and nobody does practical effects anymore they're like all dobby cgi mm-hmm. shit but if you do a practical effect or a cgi Get an animal in there. Same thing in E.T. it works. 
get a dog mm. in there that thinks that thing is real. I know. And any scene like comes alive because it's like sniffing at it, looking at it, trying to figure I out. I like, was noticing that that Barney was looking at Gizmo the whole time. Like, what do I make of this? Am I supposed to chase this? Like, all his training was fighting his instinct, and he's just, just focused. It's true, focused. doggy yeah. instinct, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I also like how, yeah, he seems to be jealous of him at first, and then when the mean Mogwai show up, Barty and Gizmo kind of become friends in the way that you would be like, oh God, we're but but I don't yeah, like you, but the enemy of my enemy yes. is my enemy. Wait, what? No, the Mogwai of my gremlin is my Mogwai. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, mushroom hats off and you oh, know what like i, I yeah. do this with actors sometimes because i can watch a lot of stuff from the 70s and go ah oh, they're probably not with us anymore but virtually any pet actor <laughs> you go like oh they're not with us did he do any other <laughs> well do they have a pet imdb it's funny you say that uh uh, uh he did do some other thing i looked him up <laughs> i did oh, like God. a year ago thank i remember God. seeing like what uh, else did mushroom do oh, but like um pet vet. The, the the fact that you mentioned his death is funny because my uh, uh, friend Chris Stangle and I, we would always talk about how great Mushroom was uh, as Barney. And Chris had a joke uh, in college, I remember he said, we were just talking about like, when the world lost Mushroom, they lost a great actor. I mean, he is like... Like when Marlon Brando died. Well, Chris said, he said, yeah, it was like when he died... All Time Magazine to do was just show his picture, and you didn't even have to have the name. You could just have the years that he lived, and everybody knows who it is. Everybody's like, Mushroom died. The fact that you're laughing so hard, it sounds like crying because you're also talking about Mushroom dying. Like you're just weeping inconsolably right now. It's uh, my. Um, Dad in the as Santa stuck in the chimney. <laughs> Sorry, you don't know whether to laugh or cry. Uh, uh, oh, has an animal in a movie ever connected yeah. that much with me? I guess favorite animal performances. Um. Oh, that Clyde the orangutan in the two Clint oh. Every which way, but loose in every which way you can. Those to me I just I can't beat it because I'm just forever fascinated that you can train an animal to show emotion but they're not feeling emotion so it would do those big toothy smiles but all it's thinking is I get food if I do this like it's oh. kind of sad in a way but yeah, he's human enough that we share enough DNA that he can make that smile and we as humans have a like biological evolutionary oh connection to go the ape is smiling and he's just going I'm to, I get food if I do this. That's amazing. I mean, girly, that's blowing my mind. I feel like also somebody could just write a, like a, an essay about Clyde as like, this is how a star is made. <laughs> yeah. Like Robert Redford knows if he smiles, <laughs> yes. the scene is done uh-huh. and the audience will like it. He gets money, he gets money. and <laughs> attention, sex and food. Yes. And Clyde's <laughs> probably thinking like, I get, what I mean, what do chimps like to eat? I get a raw steak? I don't know. And maybe a conjugal visit with that orangutan over there? Yeah, like, I was going to say, do you, do you think he likes bananas? But do you think, like, when his, like, agent on, like, the first day of shooting, like, brings him a bunch of bananas, he's like, yeah, thanks. 
Love bananas. Yep. Bananas. Again, I hate huh? watches. <laughs> Love bananas. Would I say no to a Cadillac? No, I wouldn't. But here I am with another bunch of Chiquita Stumpies. They're and not he, even yellow. Do you see that orangutan and cannibal run? He's driving a limo. You I, can't get me a. He's literally driving it. And you know how that truth be told, that. it's probably me. I'm probably the same orangutan in all those movies. Let's yes. be honest. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the cannibal run that you can see, it's like there's a little window behind him, yeah, right? Where yeah, the real driver's yeah. behind oh, him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God. Oh, I once. Because I saw Cannibal Run 2 was like on HBO it was like the last 20 minutes yeah. no and I was like I missed it and I went on to <laughs> iTunes and it wasn't available and I got so depressed oh when was this because I have the DVD oh, Cannibal Run 2 yes what about what I'm sure I do Stroker Ace yeah I, I, I Jeremy Carter and I went through a decade long chase of every Burt Reynolds movie we were especially those like because like, Smoking the Bandits, to me, unironically, Prime. one of the best movies. I adore it. And it's so good. And then they really fall off, but they still have something of that DNA. And yeah. so Cannonball Runs, like, there's a steep drop off. Stroke Race is rough. But, like, Hooper's still pretty good. Mm -hmm. Smoking the Bandit 2 is good, but it's weird because he and Sally Field are breaking up in real life and they're breaking up in the movie. So their, <gasps> their like, um, breakup scene in that movie is wrenching. Whoa. And it's weird that it's in the middle of a comedy with Dom DeLuise hanging out, you know? And then Smoking the Bandit 3 is one of the worst movies ever made. Did you know about this, Bert? I just found out, I can't, it was like one of those things where you're just like, where uh, it was a Western that Burt Reynolds was making in the mid-70s and an actor or the assistant of the actress died. But there was maybe like, did Burt Reynolds beat this guy to death? But they were like, no, 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 it was a drug overdose. And he bumped his head hard. But like, she, she this actress, was hanging out with Burt Reynolds until 2 a.m. one night in his hotel room. She came back, her assistant, who I think she was in a relationship with, right, not rightfully, but I was going to say like, <laughs> In the mid seventies, he had a, he the had one argument. person you don't want to be competing with is Burt Reynolds. <laughs> oh my God, uh, but um, then yeah, uh, took so many drugs, overdosed. But it was sort of like there was, I think, probably some suspicion of like, oh wow, I did, did not know he that beat thing. up her, and then Burt Reynolds went and beat up the guy to like. But who knows? This is that shit like of that era where today yeah. there'd be an information trail. You could find it out. You just can't hide that stuff anymore. You'll never, we'll never know what happened there. We'll never know what happened with Natalie Wood. You know, like just, I know everybody, it wasn't even like a, I mean, this existed for sure too. That kind of boys club thing of like, we just don't talk about it. But oh, I it's fucking just saw, ev nobody talked about that. Shit. Dude, I saw, I was watching an old episode of Double Dare. And Mark Summers. Where is this going? Uh, <laughs> what happened with the scandal with Mark Summers on Double Dare? Okay. Nobody talks. I'm about. watching different. I just fast forward to the obstacle courses Fair at enough. the end, and could give a shit about any of the kids winning <laughs> until it was two boys who were like two little Mark Summers, and he was. It was a study, man. Will you send this to me? But yeah, I, I want to find it. 
because uh, I watched a stream of them, but I bet if I can go back. Um, and by the end, he bends the rules so they win. Before they start, he goes, I have a feeling about these boys. I think, I think they're going to get it. So you're already like, what? Why do you care? Why do you want these two boys to be happy more than other Why kids? are we talking $64,000 question payola scandal and not Double Dare? I also thought, did the Double Dare crew like place bets? And they're just kind of like, oh. because the kid gets the eighth one, the flag, and it's a squeaker. He's Did his hand touch it when it went, was at one or zero or whatever? Mark Summers immediately goes... They got it. They won. They won. They got it. They got it. I saw it. They got it. And I was like, this is the shit, man. This is why uh, Natalie Wood's murder. There's a group of there's people big, who are always looking out for somebody else to get away with shit. The big three. Did Burt Reynolds murder? Did Natalie Wood drown? <laughs> and what happened on Double Dare? But I could have used <laughs> that shit. Three. You know, I have a story where I was on this Wink Martindale hosted game show called Debt and I think I've told this elsewhere before, and I made it to the end. I beat the other contestants, and I double or nothing all my money on one question on a field of my choice. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark, and he says, what's the name of the snake in the plane at the beginning of the movie that's on Indy's lap? And Uh I say, oh, that's easy. It's Reggie. And he goes, sorry, it's Richie. And in the movie, he goes, that's just my pet snake, Reggie. Oh, I know it's Reggie. And they took a, like I said that, and there was this big pause on set and they took a 10 minute break. It's not in the episode because in the episode it goes right on and the judges all had to confirm and I had to stand there for 10 minutes and they finally go, okay, we're rolling again. 10 minutes later. Sorry, Matt, you didn't get it from Wink Martindale himself. And I am so angry about this for you. I'm like, my blood is boiling right now. And then I've since been told it is Reggie. It is Reggie in college. I would make jokes if I saw a snake. I would call it Reggie because it's like, that's Thank the you. name of the snake. And Well, what would have, what would that, it was probably, I think it would have been like $4,000 I would have won or something. Instead, I won a $500 savings bond and a pig piggy bank. That's the reverse Mark Summers though. Yeah. They're bending the rules to screw you. Yeah. Not bending the rules to, what do they care? I know. Oh Don't, my God. It's always better for the show when someone wins, but I think they were worried about this because they were adhering to, you know, Hoyle's rules of game show, whatever it is, since that scandal. I, I uh, embarrassingly did a lot of game shows in my time and they are serious about that shit. Like you can't know anybody that works on the production and they sequester you in rooms, but clearly not on Double Dare. <laughs> yeah, maybe when it's a kids show, yeah, like, the rules are a little probably, less. Or they're just like, you know, the the officials from the because it was like a federal law, and yeah, so there was, was like it? a federal Post representative. Quiz show? Yeah, the quiz show. The, it was the sixty four thousand dollar question was the name of that game show where the guy was getting fed the answers because they wanted him to continue as a contestant, and since then it's been a huge. Like it's heavily regu- regulated, and there's a representative on set of all game shows. Wow! So I once went on another game show called Shop Till You Drop, and there was a guy there from I knew from high school. He worked on the crew, and I was walking by him, and he was like, "No, you don't know me. You don't know me. You don't know me." Wow! It was serious. Yeah, it's so funny. It's like very trivial in consequence so, whole thing yeah. and then meanwhile <laughs> there's so many crazy things going on in the I world that, uh, man I know you mentioned before that you got to do it the fact that you got to be on the set for shop till you drop and run up those steps and down those steps yeah 
I love malls as it is, but a 90s game show rendering of a shopping mall is maybe just like absolute bliss. Well, let me blow your mind a little bit more because there are things I noticed. First of all, the whole thing was inside the defunct Conan action spectacular stunt show. Conan, sorry, I'm so used to saying Conan. (laughs) Uh, I had to change my world from Conan to Conan, and now I can't do it back. But there is this big castle at Universal Studios that was built for the Conan the Barbarian live stunt spectacular, which was amazing. And you can watch it behind the scenes of it on YouTube, which I have weekly. And so it's weird. You walk in this giant vampire's castle. Actually, I think it was built for a vampire, like Universal Monsters thing, but then they put Conan in. And I'm getting real into the weeds now. No, more. You go in this giant medieval castle, and then there's just a mall set. But like the (sighs) stair rail was like wrought iron with, but it wasn't. It was like, like I remember... There was like an ornament on the newel post that's supposed to look like just kind of a carved ball, but it was just a blue racquetball and you could squeeze it. And everything was so cheap when you're like all sets are. They're cheap when you get up close to them. They don't look anything like they do on camera. But this one especially was like held together with scotch tape. It was incredible. Yeah, I that's so mind blowing how it could have a shimmer on television because you think yeah. camera, the camera would tell the truth and no. reveal it to be even grimier that like I remember when I went to see some friends were visiting our town and we were just trying to find fun things to do there was like a dress rehearsal of Bill Maher and I, I've seen it it's Bill in Maher the Price is Right yeah, studio it is they literally moved the Price is Right out of like all the whole set out and then, and then move then put in the Bill real Maher time in. one yeah oh no no wait I'm sorry about that there are two studios there oh do they they do well, move it out. When he did the dress rehearsal, I saw the Price is Right curtains, those like the Bob Barker multicolored yeah. ones, and they looked so dingy and discolored. And like, t- everything's tiny. Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like kindergarten class. Just yeah. going back and like, oh my yeah. God, this is not matching the colossalness uh, of what this meant to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the. Um, Okay, so I I read everything that the Gremlins did in the bar, right? I think so. Okay, uh, 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 the uh, uh, okay, so it starts with he is in Chinatown. That's the Warner Brothers back lot. Is it? Is the it's is are they ever on location in the town, or is that all Warner Brothers back lot? Uh, uh, yeah, that movie is in it's an entire back lot. Okay, it seemed that and, way. And there. that main square is the Back to the Future one. That's Universal, the yeah. Hill Valley. I okay. Mean, it's a year after a year after his Back to the Future, so those things like almost identical that movie yeah. theater and the yeah. courthouse and yeah, except there's snow on it. <laughs> I when the dad's shopping in Chinatown, I, I was like, "This is interesting that his dad's like looking for a gift and he just goes into another part of town like that." And then I thought, "Wait a minute, that I, my dad did that." He, one year when my parents got divorced for Christmas at my dad's, because he worked in downtown LA, you know, like near the Bonaventure uh-huh. and everything. And he, one year he did our, all our stockings, gifts from Chinatown. Then one year, all from Little Tokyo. And then one all, all from Olvera Street. And so there were these like cultural themes to each year's Christmas stockings, which was really cool. That's fun. My my parents took a couple trips to uh, uh, like parent trips, like mom and dad going out on Whoa. a trip. They, they went to like Mexico. And uh, they'd come back with like such fun, like yeah. uh, uh, puppets and uh, like gum, yeah. like oh. those gums that would come up in like five, like kind of chiclets, chiclets. Yep. Yeah, yep, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, do you remember one of the things that your dad got you? Did he get you a mogwai? 
never did. And and post nineteen eighty four, I kept asking. <laughs> He's like, no, George Guy has to get some aliens on Earth first, and there's a whole process. Um, so then, uh, but yeah, that back lot is like, you might have seen it from Annie and National Lampoon's Vacation. It's the the street that they pull into where there's gunshots and the Clark Griswold oh, says, roll them really? up, roll them up. Oh, rib tip. I uh, just love that. saddles too, right? Yep. Yeah. It's also where the uh, upside down Spider Man kiss happens oh, in Spider Man. That wow. little, um, but then, uh, so then he goes and he goes in that shop and he tries to sell his bathroom buddy. Yeah, which this is the first of uh, a gizmo that has a gremlin in it. Mm. His little bathroom mm. buddy like squirts oh, right. juice yeah. all everywhere. The, the toothpaste. <laughs> yeah. yeah, toothpaste. The tooth. The tooth absolute not paste full liquid. Yeah, what do you think that <laughs> fake toothpaste is? Uh good question. It's certainly not truth paste. No. <laughs> it's gremlin jizz. Gurley, <laughs> you said that such a little smile and nervous. I didn't know if it was too much, and I still don't know. <laughs> it wasn't. It was too little, as far as I'm concerned. Um and then just so you know, all of that, um, him walking in slow motion and saying the rules and voiceover, that was all added post. I got that feeling. It, it felt, even though they cover it later, it did feel like we need to get this in earlier or something. Yeah, it does seem like it wasn't that there was a scene where this kid said it to the dad and they just they took that dialogue. It was like a completely like, ooh, we got it put this information in here yeah. earlier. Correct. Yeah, it seems like that, It right? would have seemed weird if the dad just delivered it later and why wasn't that in the beginning? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like what else is the dad not telling us? Yeah. Um, and then um, I just, I love the setup of a guy wants to get a gift for his kid and then there's this cool thing and the guy says, I can't sell it to you because it's too, mm-hmm. you're not responsible enough. And then yeah. he gets it. Yeah. I wish all movies started that way. <laughs> like John McClane, he goes into a shop and he's like, can I meet my wife? He's like, no, you guys have been having marriage problems. Yeah. You got to go up inside a building first. And then his son sells him his wife. <laughs> that kid, did that kid get in any kind of serious trouble in this movie? Uh, uh, spanking. Ah, uh, yeah. Hmm. If, if I disobeyed my grandparent like that, and sold a creature that wreaked havoc on a small town. The other thing where I think somebody's like acting out of line, Billy, very unprofessional to bring your dog to a bank where I you work. Know. <laughs> and that's a step too far. Also, uh, the flow is really intent on killing the dog. Yeah. And this is another one of those like machine inspired, like nightmare imagery, like, where she goes like, what if I put him in a, my heating and, and put him on a, a spin cycle or something? Oh, yeah. And then um, the dog jumps out. Mm-hmm. Unties its knot. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think that he's jumping up because he's like, that's something a gremlin would do. <laughs> I'm not a gremlin. I'm anti-gremlin. <laughs> Don't you know the anti-gremlin? <laughs> uh, but... 
so you know Joe Dante made Piranha, which was like mm. a, a unabashed like Jaws yeah. ripoff, and then Spielberg saw Piranha and the Howling, and was like, "This guy's awesome. Oh, I don't wow. care that is this." He called Piranha the best Jaws ripoff he'd ever seen. Wow, we got to do Howling for this. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, especially yeah with the American Werewolf in London of it all. They I've never seen Howling. They both. Uh, I didn't see the Halloween for the first time until like two years ago, oh. and it's great because it's the same DP as Gremlins, oh. and a lot of the same actors. Oh, really? And so you know that kind of like weird like red green yeah. tint that's in these movies. Yeah, it's all over the Halloween. So or the Howl Halloween. The Halloween. Yeah, there's a lot of Dutch angles in. Yeah, and not only Dutch angles, but then Dutch angles that then zoom to the reverse Dutch angle, yes. like ship rocking. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. And then there will be like kind of doors and stuff behind people to show how crazy the Dutch angle is. Yeah, you see like lines intersecting and weird. Yeah, but um, the uh. You could, you know, we talked about the Spielberg of it all, but this does feel like it's, this was 84. This is about 10 years into, like, since Jaws came out in 75. So you could say America's movies are fully, like, in the grips of Spielberg mania by this point. And the first thing you see when they go to the town is that fake Indiana Jones billboard. Yeah, um, Which just... That's the first thing you see of the town, and that's the choice. And this com- is coming out maybe a month after Temple of Doom has come out. So Indiana Jones is in people's brains. Mine for sure, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, what is that? That's just like a funny joke that he's having. Like, I do feel like it's somebody kind of going like, this is Spielberg's thing, suburbs and quietness, and I'm going to like use that to my advantage to like have or, a lot of fun. Or is it or, like paying your 10% to the mafia, Don, basically? <laughs> like, here, I got to pay my dues, credit where credit's due, you know? Well, it'd be, yeah, it goes beyond that, too. Like, on the marquee, I don't know if you saw the two movies, uh, A Boy's Life and Watch the Skies. Yeah. A Boy's Life was the original title for E.T., and oh. Watch the Skies was the original title for Close, Close Encounters. Encounters. I didn't know that. Wow. So these, like, little uh, Easter eggs and stuff, like which I think is, like, part of Joe Dante's, like, animator cartoon spirit is sort of like anything you could possibly be cramming into the frame because you got time on your own to do it why not yeah and now with like as things go from 1080 to HD and stuff like more things reveal themselves in gremlins yeah Yeah. that's interesting there's a lot of little things along the way that were just like uh, personal standouts to me. The, when they go yeah. into the bathroom, the wall heater, the Thermador wall heater, I had one of those and I lived by that thing. And then exactly, Judge yeah. Reinhold's fur collar coat, like that was such an 80s thing of, of, I don't know, like an established businessman. So there was a point where my dad got a promotion or something and he showed up with one of those and I have that coat. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We got to wear that with some isototers and just like I know. paint the town red. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. What was the, uh, and then, oh, he also says, uh, um, you got to come to my apartment. We're talking cable. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like he's That's got the new equivalent. I want to come over and listen to some records <laughs> and look at my jacket with the nice material. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the, um, but I like, that opening when the baby please come home mm. with a uh, darling oh, by darling love, love and then the matte painting of the like fake snowy village like yeah. 
Love it so much. That speaking of Warner Brothers, there's that one matte painting that reminds me so much of Christmas Vacation when they go wide to his street and you see the city behind it and it looks just the same. And it's Warner Brothers and it's probably the same matte artist for all. God, of that. yes, I've thought about that sometimes when you notice like the same like right quality of a matte artist. You're just like, oh, there's some. I was watching Alien 3 making of, and the mad artists and that were like, well, the genius is so-and-so. And I looked yeah. him up, and he was the guy. Yeah, that I forget like, his name. I know who you're talking about. But I think that there was like the genius sci-fi guys, and then there were probably just these jobber matte painters for movies like Christmas Vacation and things that aren't special effects heavy, that they just go like, do this one matte painting for us or something. Right, the non-fantastical like people. Like I remember that guy who was talking about the person who he loved. He was like, okay, the people who your mom goes, that's a good matte painting. They're not good because you're noticing the matte painting. Yeah. This guy doesn't, you don't even, yeah. but I thought it was so funny, like using somebody's mom's opinion against <laughs> this theoretical argument. I was watching Lost in America the other day, and you know who's really good? The fellow that does the matte paintings were in there in the desert. He's really good. Mom, if you're noticing, he's not good. Oh. I just thought you'd like... It'd be cool to have a mom that talks about matte paintings. It is. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Are the other boys' moms talking about matte paintings? Matt? Painting. Painting. Uh, your Mr. Middle... Painting, you come over here. <laughs> Matthew, I gave you the middle name of painting. I'm such a matte painting head. God damn it. Ben-Hur? You seen Ben-Hur? No, Mom. Well, and shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm going out in the she shed to work on my amateur matte paintings. Do you have to work on a, I have to work on a, another Pismo. A Pismo sprocket? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wait, where am I getting Gizmo sprocket? Is that his oh. last name? Because why do I feel like the toy was marketed as that? As am a I Gizmo sprocket? Yeah. Maybe it was a crossover with the beloved Mike Myers character, Sprockets. <laughs> we'll be right back. With With and okay, home stretch? Yes. <laughs> I'm at least a third of the way through my notes. Yeah, I was looking, you know, through my notes here on our little break, and, and a lot of the we talk about, we just didn't talk about in a linear yeah. scene by scene fashion. But um, what we're, um, what's on your mind, my friend? Well, I guess just just scattershot hitting some of these that when the science teacher takes blood from that mm-hmm. one Mogwai, yeah. he acts like it's no big deal. But if you think about a syringe relative to you, that size would be like the size of a giant fire log <laughs> of blood coming out of be your like, arm. Be like, honey, I shrunk the kid style, like size yeah. of a... Because <laughs> he's like, I'm just taking a little bit of blood, but that much for a human, no big deal. But he's taking blood the equivalent of like a popcorn gift tin you know those big christmas yes just the blood about alone yeah. right yeah he would like just like yeah he'd just follow he'd like kind of like compress like taking an arrow out of a ball yeah yeah he would need some real orange juice and a cookie is what i'm saying <laughs> i passed out once uh while i was given blood really yeah and then when i came to uh they're like yeah we were worried about you <laughs> We took six gallons. <laughs> we took a Mogwai equivalent. 
relative to what he gets pulled out of him. Um, oh, when I was just saying the, um, uh, uh, things that, uh, I noticed as they change formats, I remember it wasn't until DVD. You just see Mr. Futterman walking around outside the bank as a, like an extra in a scene where like Mrs. Deagle is oh, talking really? to the mom about like, uh, we, I don't know if we can pay or rent this, this month. And she's like, I don't care. Yeah. But Dick Miller, who's awesome. Yeah. Is just like hanging out back and he like watches him for a bit. Then he turns around and he walks away. Just cause he's in the town. It's yeah. a small town. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he also just feels like his whole thing of like, um, uh, he's holding a lot of the ideas of gremlins as a character. I feel like this idea of like, uh, you can't trust cars that are foreign made. Yeah. My Kentucky harvester. He's mad at the VCR because of foreign made. And he says to his wife, we should have gotten that Zenith. Yeah. It's talking about the TV, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah right, right, yeah. right. Yes. The TV. Yeah. yeah. I know that was the Zenith was like Zenith. And I think Emerson were the last American TV holds up. We had a Zenith. We had a Zenith too. And then I had an Emerson in my room. Are they no longer? Is it no longer the zenith of television? Zenith? I don't think so. Is it no longer the Emerson of? (laughs) I will say though that my first, I got a plasma flat screen in like 2006, and it was a zenith. Really? Way to go, zenith! I know you don't hear much about them for flat screens anymore, (laughs) but or at all. Um, uh, The only other thing I wanted to mention was the um, when the dad comes home. And the, he's like, I think I sold some inventions today. And the mom looks at Billy like, mm, we know that's not true. This is like a tragedy. There's a lot of death of a salesman going on here. Yes. There's a lot mixed into this. First of all, it's a joke. It's a running joke that his inventions don't work. I get it. Right. But his coffee maker is just a coffee maker. <laughs> that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Did you see what was next to that coffee maker? It's like an artichoke with wires plugged into it. And the artichoke was like moving. <laughs> no, I did not. It's bizarre. That scene is crazy because it's, it's the like, last time they think, I think Hoyt Axton is like going to be able to introduce his inventions. So they cram like eight. Oh, I know. It's like a Q-Lab scene that's like <laughs> requisite in every Bond movie of just him going through these toss-off things. But... Also, he's at an inventor's convention on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah. And they're getting out of school on Christmas Eve. The kids Eve. are going to school on Christmas Eve, too. Yeah. This town's crazy. And you know when he's at that convention, behind him is Jerry Goldsmith, the composer. Oh, I didn't know that. I wondered and, who that was. And zooming by in a, a little thing of Spielberg. I didn't notice that either. Wow. With a TV on it. Oh. Behind him is a... The time machine from the old time machine. Movie. I saw that. And then when they go back to him, it's gone. It's like it disappeared. It went away in time. Uh, and then the lost in space robot. Or no, is it that? Yeah. What is that guy? That I was trying to. It's Robbie, right? Yeah. But what's he? Is he from? Um, Isn't it from Lost, lost in, in Space? space? I yeah. think. I. He's there on a Christmas <laughs> Eve con- <laughs> inventors convention. <laughs> It's crazy. Have I told this story that my friend Jay Cheel did a documentary on time machines, like both, like it's an amazing documentary. It's called, um, oh my God, my stupid brain. Wait, the name of the time machine or the, the name, name of the, the documentary? Oh, um, uh, why can't I think of this? It's horrible. Do you want to look it up? 
I can't make people wait for this stall, Paul. Stall. Uh, you know what my favorite time machine is? A spice rack. <laughs> it's a machine where I get my time. This me forgetting is worth it for that joke. <laughs> um, <it's> <laughs> me forgetting it is worth How to build a time machine. And it's ah. about like a, an actual physicist just trying to grapple with going back in time to because his dad died when he was young. Then a guy who's building a replica of the time machine from the movie Time Machine Ooh. in like ornate detail. But when he was out there shooting some things, he took me to... Um, see one of the replicas for the time machine and there was a Morlock statue standing by it from the movie and the guy who's who, Morlock Morlock was the like were the like um evil creatures in time machine oh they're these okay. like underground pale dwellers with these kind of ogre looking creatures and the guy who owned this stuff goes you know that's an accurate uh, depiction of a Morlock and I was like that's cool he's like no I mean really check it out I'm like what do you mean he goes lift up the tunic and there's just a huge swinging dick <laughs> like a human I mean I guess the Morlocks and the Eloi were all descendant from humans they split off but still I mean it being was- a big uh, psycho fan I bought this DVD once that was called the psycho legacy and it was a documentary about the movies and the fans who love the movies and they went and they talked to the guy who owned the Norma Bates corpse that, oh, that's wow. used in Psycho 2 oh, okay. when they dig up the body. Yeah. And there's a part where he goes. Oh, no. And uh, you can check, and uh, there is pubic hair. I looked. Oh. So what is up with these guys like who have models from genre movies but obsessed the way with that the genitalia? That, and you can check. Like, if you're thinking, it seems like I'm worried you think I might <laughs> not have checked. I've done my due diligence. And let me tell you, brother... It's there. You probably think I'm full of shit. Well, go take a look for yourself. It would be great if you went to look and there was like a, ah, like a scary little thing in there. It was all a trick. A spring went off. Yeah, a little mousetrap. Um, that's funny that when I was a kid, I would have never gotten the Corey Feldman menopause joke of my mom's going through some changes. You know, when you were saying the, uh, uh, I didn't either. But when you were saying the joke about Hoyt Axton, you wanted him to make the joke yeah. to the dra- like. Uh, there's a joke that I feel like should happen where he goes, um, uh, "Your mom's going uh, a, a metamorphosis," and he goes, "Kind of like my mother." And then he goes, "No, a metamorphosis is when you change and uh, your body becomes different." It seems like he should go, "Yeah, like, like my, my mother." mother. And you can see him kind of turn a little bit before they cut. I feel like they cut out the what should be a joke in that Probably, movie. and it feels like Corey Feldman probably was smart enough to improvise that on the set. <laughs> okay, Corey Feldman's great in he's this movie. He's so huh? good yeah. in every movie he's in in the 80s. He's so good. This year? Think about the year of 1984 for him. In is this April, Goonies? Uh, uh, Goonies is 85. Okay, so this is Friday the 13th. Final chapter in April, Goonies in June. If you are, whatever, 13, 12 years old, and that's your king shit, a fuck mountain. No wonder Michael Jackson's hanging out with him. <laughs> yeah, it's no wonder why his life is <laughs> cursed and sad. What? When was Stand By Me? 86. You're so good with years. I never remember what years movie are, movies uh, are. Um, and Goonie, you said Goonies was? 85. So what a run, 84, 85, 86. Yep. 
And then 87, 88, 89, he's making really successful. They're not particularly good movie. Oh, no, no. Lost Boys is Lost 87. Lost Boys, but so like License huge. to Drive. It's like he's yeah, hit peak fame, but the quality's fallen off of it. Yeah. And you can see that things are starting to turn. And then he comes back in The Burbs, uh, mm. another Joe Dante movie. Oh, yeah. Um, God, kid Corey Feldman, though. There's nothing better. It's the same thing as Mushroom a little bit, which is yeah. like, in that scene when he's interacting, like, you, did you ever hear that thing Marlon Brando, like, loved oh. children and animals because they're people who don't want anything from him other than to be a person. What a fucked up human being. <laughs> but I get it. Like yeah. since he's like 25, it's just like anybody who talks yeah. to me, they want something. And like a kid, I can make them feel happiness regardless of, you yeah. know, uh, but, uh, yeah, it is like, um, he's a fucked up human being. Uh, but, uh, you but the way he interact, he has such a purity I to how he's interacting with Gizmo in that scene. I like totally buy uh, it, it, an animal and a kid both believe it in a different way than Zach Galligan. Oh, he, he in Goonies, it's one of my favorite performances. He's incredible in that movie, and because they're just letting those kids riff oh, yeah. left, right, and center. So you know, a lot of those are filmed. It's like when he's pouring the water between the two glasses and saying, "Mikey, you gotta go pee." Yeah. Give me a lickery kiss, Michael. <laughs> you know, in that group too, Corey Feldman was the one that's like, let's fuck around and like <gasps> leading the pack. God damn it. If your character's named Mouth, yeah. and you're giving like full permission to be <laughs> a little shit. <sighs> yeah, because the thing is with Gremlins and Final Chapter, he doesn't have a little shit quality no, to him. It's he like a, he's actually a sweet boy. Yeah. And then. Around Goonies and Stand By Me is when he becomes like yeah, the little shit. Because is he the one that has the line, I'm going to rip your head off and shit down your neck? In, in Stand, Stand By, By Me? Me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Eddie Duchamp. He's yeah. got the melted ear. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Oh, man, I haven't seen that movie in years. Uh, it's good. The narration in that movie really blows it. it it's oh, equal really? to like when you watch a movie that you loved and then you're like, oh, the music is just wall to wall telling me how to feel. I wish oh, they didn't yeah. do it all the time. With this, it's the narration. We're like, uh, there's an amazing scene where Will Wheaton's by himself and he's sitting on the train tracks and a deer comes up and they look at each other and then the deer runs away and you're like, wow, that was pretty powerful. And then the voiceover comes up. I never told any about <laughs> that deer. I saw a deer, but I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> Dreyfus, take a break. <laughs> We don't need you. Jesus You're Christ. You're a good coffee break. Maybe in and out of the movie, but what if he, like they didn't even intend it and he just comes in and he just <laughs> recorded that. But I don't, you know, if there was no stand by me with that setup of the narration, is there a Wonder Years? Is there a Sandlot? Mm. Of the like, yeah, probably. plaintive uh, voiceover about my time when I was a boy. I've never seen the Sandlot. I know that's a big, But when big I said it to you right now, I thought to myself like that, you were at an age where you'd be a fucking weirdo if you're <laughs> going and watching the Sandlot. In and the I'm still at an age where I'd be a fucking weirdo if I went and watched that movie. I blew it. My, I think Sandlot's 93. My 12th birthday, we went and saw Cop and a Half. <laughs> Ugh. And the Speaking next weekend, the Sandlot came out. Oh. If my birthday party had been like tied to our going oh to see the Sandlot, it would have just been... Everybody would remember your birthday. Planet birthday. It would have been the time we went to Planet, uh, planet birthday. Planet birthday. Instead, 
we went to Planet Capita we half. went to RV birthday. Talk about Bert Reynolds <laughs> uh, Nadir. God, Bert Day. Happy birthday. Have you seen Cop and Half? Yeah, I, uh, it's been, I'm telling you, I've yeah. seen virtually every Burt Reynolds movie. So I was probably Rocky Mountain High when I saw it because Jeremy and I. That What's was the like, high of the high and the low of the lows of the Reynolds? So uh, Smokey and the Bandit, the high? Yeah, I think so. Peak Reynolds? Yeah, so like you got Smokey and the Bandit, Hooper, even things like Dick and Sharky's Machine are up there. And then there's like um, The Longest Yard and some uh-huh. of the classic stuff. But there's a after school, clearly Judd Nelson, did I talk about this, where Judd Nelson and Burt Reynolds must have gotten busted for drugs and they had to do this community service <gasps> special called Scared Straight when your kids are on drugs and they're both forced to be in this thing. What? And they, is it a narrative or is it like it's a... Like, it's like there. It's so weird. From my memory, and again, I was probably a Rocky Mountain High. Judd... <laughs> this can't be trusted, but my memory is Judd Nelson and Burt Reynolds are like hanging out in a playground and there's like some tension going on with kids and they keep cutting away to Burt Reynolds and Judd Nelson as like a Greek chorus going, you know, it shouldn't be going down like this and commenting on the action. And I want to say like stepping in and going, you shouldn't be talking like that or you shouldn't take those drugs or something. Judd Nelson. And who are you? I'm Burt Reynolds, you shithead. I still have this VHS somewhere. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that might be the low point. That yeah, switching or some channels. might call it a high point, but <laughs> <laughs> high point uh, chemically. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then uh, we we gave our, our our love for Corey Feldman as Pete. Yeah. So then they go upstairs. Uh, there's a. I noticed Gizmo's watching like a Clark Gable race car movie, but when they go to the wide shot, it's like a cartoon. Oh, he's flipping channels? Um, what'd you say? He's flipping channels? <laughs> I said, that's fucking shameless. That's fucking shameless. <laughs> that motherfucker. <laughs> Let me at him. We we uh, jumped from PG territory to R-rated. We jumped the PG-13. I think it happened when I said gremlin jizz. <laughs> I don't know. A few months ago, I started laying out some F-bombs that were a little uncalled for. Well, it's fitting for this movie, because what you think is one thing becomes another. Yeah. So, and we're at the halfway point right now. This is the halfway point of this episode. Yeah, and we just turned 18, <laughs> so we can start cursing. Uh, you'll notice in his bedroom, there's a rolled up uh, Twilight Zone, the movie poster. Oh, okay. Next to a Road Warrior poster. The I other, saw the Road Warrior one. Yeah. Next to the race car TV, mm-hmm. so I feel like this stuff has its purpose. It's not yeah. just. Uh, but another little Easter egg that I do like a lot because it is a choice. When Gizmo gets wet, the water is from like um, the water from a paintbrush, mm. and the thing he's on is a bunch of comic books. Yeah, and he's next to a drawing of a wolf man that on the director mm-hmm. commentary Joe Dante said he drew. Oh wow. So it's just like when Gizmo's giving birth to this stuff, it's like, is it the wellspring of creativity and genre material like comic books that is giving birth to this? It's kind of like how Kelly LeBrock is born in Weird Science where you just feed in influences. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. When was the last time you watched Weird Science? I've been trying to get Amanda to watch that with me for quite some time. I think I've watched it probably like five or 10 years ago, but I, I've been wanting to watch it again. You know that um, DVD Blu-ray company, uh, 
is it Arrow? Yeah. They're like UK based. Uh-huh. And I don't know if it's entirely legal. They they like release movies like with like a lot of amazing extras and like fully oh. packaged versions that I don't know if Universal's seen a dime of the weird they must be. You have to, I guess, to license they, it. Yeah, I think that they do license these off to smaller imprints going like we don't want to deal with this, but we know there'll be a cult following. But when it. I went to I told you off mic, I went to the new Amoeba. And they had a really cool-looking Weird Science Blu-ray. Oh, really? And I was like, man, Arrow did. And I was like, maybe I should get this. But I hadn't watched Weird Science recently enough to be like, would I love it so much that I'd want to own it so I can watch it as many times? And the answer was no. Uh, Well, maybe next time. Yeah. uh, I mean, it is. We could watch it together. A guy turns into this, like, turd toad, right? <laughs> yeah, Bill Paxton. So that's good. Um, what, what, what else are in your notes? Well, when he cuts open the Christmas stocking, yeah, there's a Zoids in there. Are those candies? No. What are Zoids? Zoids were the most incredible toys. If you do a Google search for them now, you see, like, the newer version, and they're all crazy. But the original thing were these dinosaur robots like but it, it, that doesn't do it justice and they were kits and you would build them and they were wind up kits so you build around a like wind up oh. motor but they were really intricate and they were all dinosaurs of different kinds but each dinosaur head was a cockpit and a little man would go <gasps> inside Classic Zoids were incredible Oh my gosh I can't believe Zoids was never like a cartoon or I think it I don't know if it was, and I don't even know if it was like a licensed Japanese import, but if you look up like classic Zoids and there were like three original ones and then they started getting a little more fancy, they were so cool. That's I loved awesome. Them. And, and so what, I'm trying to remember what falls out of that, that stocking because it's that main thing and then off to the top left corner is a box of Zoids. Yeah, and there's like a robot guy. Yeah, yeah that's right. Like, just yeah. a regular robot. Yeah. But the Zoids, it falls out in the box. And so you see the box and oh, it says Zoids on it. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like I've seen Zoids before and I didn't know what that was. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's funny because then it's like the robot toy confusion is there again. Yeah. And then she just used a microwave and a blender and all these like uh, inventions and gears. And then when the gremlin is in the tree, Christmas tree, it's like when Corey Feldman's dressed up in the tree earlier, it's just like this weird kind of like, I don't know. I mean that, Oh, and if you look, you'll see like a puppeteer behind the tree. Like, Oh kind really? Of like put, oh, no yeah, kidding. Yeah. Uh, it's bound to happen. You see like a crew guy's arm. be like <laughs> stripes angry. <laughs> um, the, uh, Uh, sorry. Um, I was just seeing who Barney gets to sleep in the bed, and then Gizmo doesn't, and then Gizmo gets to sleep in the bed. Yeah, that's prime territory when you're a pet. I know, but I I couldn't help but thinking like you've got Gizmo and Barney in your bed, and that is like the coziest life could be. <sighs> when I was a kid, all I wanted was a dog that slept in my bed. You didn't have one. I didn't either. But no, I had cats, but. But we, but my family, we had dog allergies, so we couldn't have a yeah. dog. And but, um, did you have cats lay with you in bed? Oh, I mean, we just had a million cats at all times. So you did. You'd get to like. Yeah, lay with I a don't cat. remember like them sleeping in my bed really though. They were kind of indoor outdoor cats, so they were a little like, they all just 
died young too. It wasn't until like I became an adult and had a cat on my own when I realized like what you're kind of supposed to do with a cat, take care of it and stuff. <laughs> Our dog Judy like will lay in bed with us, but like for it to be like full on like TV dog, like laying with you, yeah. it'll have to be like, she had like a really like long walk that day and she's, she's just exhausted. Pooped, yeah. So she can't give, she a won't sh- put yeah. up a fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Margo definitely does. Um, when he goes to the dad to tell him that, you know, there's multiple Mogwai now, um, I liked how right after Gizmo shot up all these like little balls and reproduced them, mm-hmm. the dad has an invention. This is too far probably, but it shoots out a playing card and then he tries to tweak it and it just starts rapid firing shooting machine gun style. Yeah. Ain't that what's going to happen to old Gizmo now? Oh, I never thought about that. And then the mom later is making gingerbread cookies and they're like, they look like little gremlin reproductions and stuff oh wow um 90 percent of this stuff is bullshit no i think like joe dante's putting enough in there that all this stuff is thought out i really do he's a very caring filmmaker you know? yeah like, well and i noticed in that in that shop when he's with the scene there's a sign up that said toxigen 90 in use yeah i saw that too i was like what's that so i googled it and it's a sign that a crew person made on set they, when they didn't want people to go and look at the puppets. So he put up oh a sign that said Toxigen 90 and used to keep people out. That's amazing. That's so great. <laughs> a little not, there's just little things like um, Mr. Futterman has a big Nixon poster in his yeah. house. Yeah. I saw that too. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, this like xenophobic guy who wishes things would just go back to yeah. way when things were better. As yeah, Nixon. Nixon. Or yes. like uh, Polly Holiday's, all her cats are named after money. Kopeck, peso, drachma, dollar. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that she calls the dog, the one cat, dollar, dollar bill. bill. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, I didn't, it took me a while before I realized that was her. That was Mrs. Deagle because her hair was white. And stuff. I had the same problem. Yeah. yeah, you don't know that's. Yeah, I remember that too. Had to. That's what an older sister really comes in handy, and she explains to you that that's Mrs. That Deagle. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the um. The uh. Oh, I didn't like Barney getting wrapped up in those Christmas lights. Oh, I was wondering how they shot that, and he doesn't seem to bother Barney, but it's sure bothered me did it bother mushroom yeah that's what i mean no yeah. but i meant like <laughs> yeah it didn't bother barney but it bothered mushroom <laughs> and he he's professional enough to do the scene but when he got off he went straight to his agent <laughs> bananas you gave me bananas i don't even eat bananas oh what a cadillac um jonathan banks is so good in this movie yeah. Oh my God. Uh, so um, Mike from Breaking Bad. Right? Yeah. And um, Beverly Hills Cop. from Beverly Hills Cop. He's from 48 Hours. I love his 80s small roles. He's so good He's in them. He's so great. I mean, yeah, that cop character is so funny because you notice you do a little touch at the end when they're getting their jackets on. He goes over and just finishes <laughs> yeah, his yeah. drink. Yeah. Like, hey. <laughs> Before we hit the road, I gotta finish my drink. I'm not gonna leave this cup uh, full. And he's just shooting a dart gun at the at the desk. He's also really great in that moment when they go in the cop car and the Santa comes out and he's covered in the gremlins. Yeah, which is like a pretty horrifying like thing to yeah. see. His 
it's kind of like the gremlins moment for me, which is like, it's really scary to see a Santa covered in gremlins. And then he's doing this like funny Abbott Costello kind of deadpan, like of the like, <laughs> I didn't notice but that. He's not doing that. He's doing like maybe the more hip version of like, I really think we should be going oh, yeah. because this is very scary to be seeing this happen right now. And it's like, Oh my God, what a funny, scary moment. Like it, it is like a, I will say all credit where credit's due. I think that is like, Joe Dante's like brilliance is the being able to watch a scene that's simultaneously scary and funny yeah. and the funny doesn't make the scary stuff less scary. It enhances each other. Yeah. 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 yeah I agree. Um, uh, the mom battling the gremlins at home is quite the set piece. God, that's so good. She's such a badass in that. Yeah. It's that's one of the highlights of the movie. I think it's probably my favorite part of the, the movie that in the bar scene yeah, yeah yes yeah did you notice when the record's playing in the dust on top of the record player there's r- little gremlin feet no oh god they, went, oh. they were standing there the johnny mathis <laughs> yeah the do you hear what i hear yeah um okay so um where are we at then are we at like we're just kind of hopping around yeah i'm mostly the only note I have left is how much I miss classic department stores, but that's just a general oh, thought. <laughs> no, Gorley, I was going to say, oh, along with the, yeah, I'm finishing up here too. The like, the mom sequence I think I really like because it's in a kitchen and it's like this mix of like the banal yeah. and like bizarre. But then same with, it's a movie. It's a movie where the last forty-five minutes is a movie theater and then a department store. I'm like, yeah. these are my two favorite things on earth. No, and I get to see monsters in this. Yeah. Also, that whole movie theater sequence is like, what I like about it is like, the movie in some way is about movies. Gremlins is about movies. So like, when you then find yourself. I wish I could have been sitting in a theater and you're watching a movie that's taking oh, place in a theater and I you're know. just like, this movie is about movies and now I'm actually in the seat of the crime. It almost feels like Inglorious Bastards is taking from this or yeah. influenced or something. When I was Inglorious uh, Bastards, I remember thinking this is like, really? it felt like a combination of, no, when I saw Inglorious yeah. Bastards, not when we were shooting it, when it was all put together, I thought this is Gremlins meets... Uh, Carrie, mm, yeah, like yeah. her kind of like, you see the way people are screaming and running away from her. It's exactly like Carrie when yeah. she's like, uh, but then, yeah, the all the movie theater stuff, and then the idea that you could blow up the movie theater with the nitrate, and yeah. then they blow up the theater with the. Um, I could, yeah, I could believe maybe if Gremlins had ended in a theater, maybe it never would. Cert- Inglorious Bastards certainly had stranger influences. You know? Yeah, right, right, and just like getting to see behind a movie theater, like when they're behind the screen and stuff. Like that's just when you're a kid, you're like, all I wanted to do is like go behind that, literally know, go does behind that the screen. <laughs> really exist? I guess old theaters because every theater I can think of, there's no space behind the screen that I. Yeah, that's like a big empty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that moment though when they're like scratching through the movie theater screen yeah. and, and chasing after them, and then soon after that is when the, um, all their little arms come out of the door when she slams the door. Uh, the oh oh, a really funny part is when they're driving and they're listening to the radio, and the um, Rock and Ricky 
is like somebody calls in and they're like, I'm see a gremlin. Corey Feldman and I say, kids, cut out the uh, this War of the Worlds crap. Oh, yeah. The and then they Wells break crap. in. And the thing he says when he sees the gremlins, he goes, hold on, you're not rocking Ricky fans. <laughs> <laughs> he thought they were, it's okay if they were fans. <laughs> and that's happened to him. <laughs> I get a lot of this busting in of fans. I mean, they can't keep their hands off me. Well, they're not little green guys with sharp teeth. Not even like you're not humans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, um, oh, oh, yeah, jumping around here. When the uh, teacher, the science teacher, gets the syringe in his butt, uh, when I was a kid, I thought that was a little cross. <laughs> Like someone put a little, a little crucifix in his butt. <laughs> <laughs> My sister had to tell me, no, that's a... No, it's a nod to the exorcist. <laughs> but I like that. <laughs> I like that the... Uh, um, it seems like the gremlins have a capacity for vengeance, for revenge. Humor, mischief, vengeance, revenge. Like, they, yeah, they get poetry. <laughs> like they get- well, the fact that they start singing along to hi-ho... In Snow White, they don't even need a round of the high host no, for them to they join. They're like on yeah, beat. Yeah. Which, that's an existential question. If they are from space, are they getting beams uh, of maybe. Snow White music? But they would have, that had to be in their DNA because they were born here on Earth. Those gremlins have right. never seen Snow White unless they watched it in Billy's room one day. <laughs> I mean, if we're really breaking this down. <laughs> And we are. The only explanation is when Billy was out at the bank, the gremlins watched Snow White. Unless the dwarves in that movie have never sung it before either, and it's just something inherent to little creatures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boarded your blood. Um, I, oh, I love the, like, if you hadn't ever seen gremlins before, the way they slowly reveal the gremlin, that it's like... First, it's just oh, a hand. You wouldn't yeah. even maybe have a guess that gremlins look different than that they're not just scary looking mogwais. I know. So he gets his hand scratched. Yeah. And then Billy's like goes to get his bandage and a medicine cabinet. Yeah. And you see a full body gremlin. Yeah. That is the goods, my man. It's good. It's yeah. real good. Uh, and it's funny that Gizmo is like a gizmo and the gremlins are like machines, but I really. More than a lot of other movies, I'm not very conscious of the puppetry and the effect. No, I mean, and even when you are, it's kind of a good thing. It's yeah. yeah, There's a lot of moments where you let go, and especially back in the day, you would have really yes let go to it. I mean, there are sometimes where Gizmo is a little dodgy looking, where I'm like, that doesn't like look always like the other gizmos. No, and like when he when he's holding him and puts him down, he always puts him down below frame and then the frame pans down and it's gizmo with his feet planted into the desk, you know. But it's incredible. Like I love watching how yeah. every shot is devised and all those Muppet tricks are yeah. pretty fun to watch. Yeah. Um and yeah when when you're a kid, so much of his stuff I feel like is like the you're having the fun of being within the entertainment and then the fun of like uh trying to figure out the trick yeah yeah Yeah. um the disney thing too is interesting the snow white because i think 1984 might have been when disney was at its like deadest in Mm. terms of like what it was doing culturally and i think to some extent spielberg george lucas were making the movies that 
Disney would have been making in the yeah. 70s and 80s if they had had the minds to. Yeah. Um, so it is like, I wouldn't say it's like dancing on a grave thing, but it is funny to see like <laughs> Gremlins, oh my God, along with the bar scene, a theater full of Gremlins all singing oh. Hi-Ho is really yeah, uh, Valhalla for me. And especially with Joe Dante being an animator, you feel like he's like saw that in his youth and was probably like, this to me blew my mind for what animation could be. I'm yeah. Yeah. I was wondering when I saw all of them like watching the thing, I did think like, oh, it is cool that you're seeing two generations of movie effects at once. You're seeing oh, like yeah. in 1937. It's not so crazy that in 16 years, it'll be the hundredth anniversary of fucking Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Oh, Jesus. Cause I saw in the credits, it said Snow White copyright 1937. 37? Oh, is it 35? I don't know. Wow. But I, I'm actually just sort of, surprised that Disney was in this movie and it's a Warner Brothers movie like why wouldn't they put a Bugs Bunny cartoon yeah I mean it does feel like one of the like Disney has no clout at this point so if Spielberg and Warner Brothers is asking him can we use your like please you're right 37 um so the time between Snow White and Gremlins is even greater than the time between Gremlins and now yeah. Yeah. Finally. 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 It wasn't. You want to feel weird. Want to feel young? <laughs> want to feel young? The time frame between Snow White and Gremlins is longer than Gremlins and now. So live it up, baby. You're immortal. Um, the. Oh, oh, oh. Um, also forgot the Gremlin with the ski mask. <laughs> yeah. um, when they're running through the town after they get out of the bar I love like the Halloween Horror Nights Universal Studios like theme park ride of like when they're running down and like in the windows there's like silhouettes of yeah, people being yes. like it oh. feels like a theme park uh, yeah like thing. a tram tour sort of thing yes yeah. tram tour yeah. exactly tram tour yeah there need to be more tram tour movies I know Oh, God. Do you think that, like, after, <laughs> in the idea that it's, like, a chapter thing, like, after Billy and Kate, like, run off, everybody just kind of shuffles back to their yes. first spot yes. quietly? Back to one. <laughs> um, last things here. The, um, uh, oh, and, um, I had a friend who told me that when the Reamer went after he jumps in the pool, and that's so great. Gizmo goes like, ah, and then stripes like covering his eyes as he sinks to the bottom of the pool, and they reproduce in the YMCA. Um, do you remember the shot where it's like a big wide angle and you see a bunch of all gremlins kind of scurry up over the street? It's like stop yeah, motion. Yeah, I wondered if that was stop motion. It's pretty good. Yeah, I think it is stop motion. And my friend Jamal told me that he was watching it with a kid once, and. The kid didn't understand the scale, so they went, oh, they had a bunch of baby gremlins. <laughs> Be very cute. Um, okay, so then they're in that department store. Mm-hmm. A department store is, did you watch like today's special um, it was like a Nickelodeon show about like a mannequin that came to life. No. It wasn't the movie Mannequin, but uh, that and like Corduroy, 
the the story about the little teddy bear in the department store at night who his strap is broken and he has to find a button and he goes around to like the different no. departments. Uh, for me, like with along with Gremlins, department stores were like a source of like great magic. I agree. I, just because you could just. You could go in there and just the family could split up and go to their different <sighs> departments. Like, I'm going straight to toys and electronics. Yeah, my man. My dad's off to sporting goods. My mom's off to fashion. My sister's off to fashion. That is true that with the department store, like, what was it? It was, like, so equal in all of its interest for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody was getting hauled to us. Sp- I think, not to make it too dark, but didn't, like... Adam Walsh get abducted at a department store or something at a oh, shopping mall. No, really, that he's that famous. Uh, John Walsh's um, son, oh. who I think Code Adam is like named after. Like, oh, when a kid goes the America's Most Wanted. Yeah, but like, just when you said that, I was like, I know when I go to like a department store, my mom would let me. It was the best. I got some freedom. Yeah, I'd me like, too. Would wander off in the kids' clothes store, or the yeah, the electronics section. But that ain't happening anymore no. now. And. We had a, I believe it was just a West Coast chain called Broadway. And they were, I think, the first of the department stores to get rid of the toy department. And I remember going up there when it was kind of like being closed out. And there was a, you know, 12 inch Xenomorph Alien, that doll there. And everything. Oh, that was, was the one crazy. with the head. Yeah. And then that one went. And then Mervyn's lost their toy department. And it was just like the beginning of the big box stores and stuff like that. J.C. Penney's eventually lost theirs, but... When department stores started losing their toy stores, I remember that being, like, rattling me. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's tragic. It's the same frankly. as, like, when broadcast networks start losing, like, their Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. There's just, like, something yeah. along that's marching along that makes more money, and you're going to be at a loss for it. Because what are you going to do, kid? I know. Are you going to make your own cartoon? Are you going to bring your own <laughs> toy section into this department store? But I think of those heyday, that heyday of the 60s, 50s, 60s department store. And there's a Macy's on Lake Street in Pasadena that is an original, I think it was, it's a Macy's now, but I think it was a Bullock's or a Buffum's. I can't remember, but it's got like the giant walnut covered lobby with the grand elevators. It's gorgeous. And if you go down in the basement, there's this giant picture of when it was in like founded as a Bullock's, I think. And it's just got that old feel. And I would love to, there's a pipe dream where someday, because, you know, like Macy's isn't doing that well, especially now during the coronavirus. And I would love to just be able to buy one of those. And then it becomes basically a co-op business. But everybody that rents a department has to specialize in their things. And you have to kind of dress like you're in the 60s. The whole thing is kind of like a throwback machine. So it's like, or classic toys and like, there's like a salesman for the toys. But it's you know? a great way, like a new way to approach an antique mall. Yeah. Like everybody has like yeah, a department, but it's specialized. Yeah, it's basically an antique mall. And then the added bonus of people dressing like that, like then you're going back into the time period. Yeah, that but it's like curated vintage clothing. That's great. Curated vintage electronics. I mean, yeah. it's all the worst business model in the world, but <laughs> it's more of a, of a pipe dream. Well, and I'm just thinking right now too, like with a department store, like, yeah, big box stores came along and took those out. But did department stores function as like a, hey, you're running out mom and pop stores because now everybody yeah, just goes to one. I think so. So it's so funny when, like now, when people have nostalgia about Blockbuster, it was like, Blockbuster was the devil. Right. Why are you nostalgic about like, the I devil? Know. 
<laughs> Blockbuster was the devil. Yeah. Killed everyone. Yeah. Uh, I know. And there is this like, our mall had a JCPenney, a Broadway, a Mervyn's, and then this mid-level wow. department store called Boston Store. And then another store called Jewel Core, which was a catalog delivery store where you would go in and there was a showroom and you would look through their thick catalogs and then just take a piece of paper with a number and give it, pay for it. And then your package would come out on a machine, like a conveyor belt onto metal rollers. And it would Whoa. be like, here's your, you know, G.I. Joe hiss tank. Man. <laughs> oh my God. That is, so, and like, yeah, all this stuff in this department store in the movie, when I see it is oh. like, there's some Garfield shirts in there. Yeah. Uh, the electronic section, uh, uh, like, um, it, I like it because I feel like, uh, partly the movie is a little bit of like, a. um, the Joe Dante has this own thing where he talks about like the monster is name the monster, name the metaphor. And mm. he has a, a, like this idea that like, but he's never done with gremlins, which mm. is like, what is, what is that saying? I do think like the idea that they're like such voracious, like hedonistic, like when Stripe goes into the department store and he's like, on a skateboard covered in jewels <laughs> eating candy. It's just like, oh, just this is consumerism like... Consumerism? Yeah, unbridled yeah. consumerism. Yeah. And so I like that like it ends in a department store because it's like, oh yeah, this is the thing. It's like where we're all gremlins or or the fact that it's a movie theater before too. It's just like consuming media, consuming shit. And all the replication happens in the Young Man's Christian Association <laughs> yes. pool. It's all Christianity. <laughs> Where asexual reproduction happens all the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was a really fun watch. I really enjoyed watching that movie. Me too, man. I uh, Gremlins is the best. Uh, I clearly love it. And thank you for going on this journey with me, oh, where I kidding? talked about. Uh, uh, yeah, the um, the did you um, shed a tear when when he said bye, Billy? You know, strangely, I wasn't that affected by that moment and I think I was expecting to be more because I think I was like how well Elliot responds when E.T.'s leaving I wasn't getting much from Zach Galligan Galli- no Galligan. yeah he doesn't and have I, any sort of reaction to him saying bye Billy he's just being like what I know I, I think I needed a little bit more from also from Hoyt Axton and everybody like <laughs> yes. hey you're using the, you're losing the most adorable thing yeah. in your life well, why aren't you kicking and screaming <laughs> they should be like, like smashing their heads into the wall yeah like, I mean Hoyt Axton come on bawling at what they're losing <laughs> yeah I, I know when I saw uh, I saw Gremlins before I saw E.T. oh so I remember crying when Gizmo said goodbye. Oh. And now when it's compared to E.T. is yeah. like, yeah, night and day. Yeah. E. Oh my God. Well, yeah. She, E.T. still has the power to, there's still oh, like five moments in that movie that I, like have the, I, it's actually a movie I don't revisit because I just get too sad. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that movie just affects me so heavily. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a real tearjerker. It is. Was, yeah, yeah. Do you okay. got a best kill standing by? Uh, uh, I thought of my best kill. Yeah? Um, I think it's going to be Mrs. Deagle when she gets launched oh, out wow. uh, through the window on the this chair. Mine's the microwave. Oh, it's yeah. It's just so, of course. so peak gremlins. That's good. That's good. All right. Let's... Um, let's and then uh, rate it. Yeah, let's rate it. I'm going to revisit our ratings here. Okay, so, good. Uh, 
Sorry. No. We got Prometheus. Um, I'm going through the book here. Uh, so Drag Me to Hell, you gave a, th- a 9. I gave an 8.5. People Under the Stairs, you gave a 7.5. I gave a 5.5. Terror Train, I gave a 10. You gave a 10. And Body Double, I gave a 7. You gave an 11. Oh, okay. For Gremlins, what are you thinking? I'm going to give it a 13, 13. I'm going 11.5. Hey, all right. So, but that's got to be pound for pound the highest rating so far. The, uh, of, the, of, the, of, the, of these five? Yeah. Uh, Halloween might have. Do you think Halloween's the... Yeah, because that's two 13s. Yeah, we did two 13s. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, it's time to choose. Now we know it has to be a Gorley. It has to be. I'm hoping I choose the brood just to pair these two. But So let me know what numbers I can pick. Okay. Oh, um, the numbers you can pick. Um, you can pick. Hold on, hold on. Sorry, my friend, sorry. <laughs> you can pick. Seven, ten, one, six, or nine. I'm gonna go seven. Seven is the brood. No kidding. Are you yeah, serious? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. That's good. That's it's gonna good. get a little spooky with those little onesie kids going to school, and one of them has a meat tenderizer hammer. That's all I remember. Oh my gosh! I wish those gremlins would sometimes wear those little cute little winter jackets that the broodies wear. I know. They should do a little crossover. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, all right. Well, that's Gorley. Uh, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Uh, brought me a lot of happiness it is only my pleasure and we'll do it again uh, oh we're taking a week off <gasps> that's right that's right that's right but we'll be back in two weeks with the second half of this season though if you're a patreon you never know what's gonna fall behind the patreon paywall so it won't be like you're taking a break because you'll probably you might likely get a mailbag a commentary some little uh secret past bonus episodes oh and around. i think uh next Tuesday is our comment if a the commentary. They live commentary. The they live commentary. So if you wanted a little Gorley and Rust in your life for that week, yeah, am I totally? No, I think you may be right. Let me fourth think. Tuesday today. Yes, the twenty seventh. This will fall on the twenty third tomorrow for us. Uh, and uh, next week on the break, you will get that yeah. film commentary. So if you wanted to do something during the break, you can listen to us talk about They Live. Yeah, you sure can. All right. Well, we'll see you in two weeks, everybody. Yeah. Bye now. Bye-bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early, plus monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com, and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Corley and Russ theme song by me, Matt Wood, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Corley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.